This is the Above Average Podcast and you are listening because you want an above average life. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Above Average Podcast, the podcast where we talk to above average people about their above average lives. Now, I'm super excited to have my guest on today. He's someone that I've followed for numerous years, now probably about five years I think I've followed you now, mate. Um, and I've always been inspired and I've always admired his attitude, his dedication, and uh, not to mention his crazy sized arms. Uh, he's a former DJ turned pro bodybuilder, TV star, author, and model with over 1.3 million Instagram followers and 12 million views on his YouTube channel. Please welcome Mr. Biceps himself, Zach Ainsley to the show. Hey. How are you doing, mate? <laughs> so this is obviously the first time we've we've met and funny enough when I was when I was googling you like I said I was doing the research on you and I was like this is an endless rabbit hole for you there's loads of stuff I could talk about so yeah. we've got a lot to go through today mate but first of all I want to ask you is it true that you recently won uh, was it $300,000 in Vegas? $350,000 yeah. $350,000 yeah. where did that come about? <laughs> it was the most hon- honestly well the thing is as well here's another thing that like Google won't tell you about me if you search me uh, I played professional poker for few years i was mm-hmm. sponsored by poker stars and then i was sponsored by gg poker i've worked with a few different sites um played some serious serious games yeah uh, private cash games big tournaments up and down the country and stuff but we went to vegas for uh, a holiday just like literally just a vacation me my ex and my mum, which we we brought with us and i thought you know as my mum's never been to america let's take yeah. it to yeah let's take it to california i say to vegas she'll love it and she did but she really thought she'd hate vegas because she in her mind she thought it was going to be like Blackpool. <laughs> no. Vegas is just the best place in the world. I love yeah, it. Like, it's so cool. It, uh, you can do anything you want there. If you want to just go and have like complete peace and silence and just sunbathe all day, you can. And then if you want to have the crazy side and do all the shows and gamble and drink and whatever you want, like yeah. strip clubs, shooting guns, driving fast cars, you can do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, so my mom and my ex stayed for two weeks. And when they were there, I limited limited the gambling and the poker playing and stuff because i want to spend time with them yeah and especially with poker you can you can be in the uh you can be at the table for hours and hours and yeah, hours well playing. there's no windows no clocks or anything is Nothing. it it's just, yeah, yeah, yeah and they, they pump in certain cents and stuff yeah keep you awake longer and they give you free drinks and whatever whatever you want they will give you to yeah. keep you there so um anyway we they left they went back to the uk and i stayed for an extra two weeks with my friend and it was just the most random thing like <laughs> We had no intention of playing this day. We actually went to like the space exhibition. That's it's a cool. huge, yeah. like huge warehouse studio where they have um, all of the walls were like LED screens and it took you through a journey through space and time and it was really trippy and really <laughs> cool. And then afterwards you were like, well, that was cool. What do you want to do? I was like, well, I'm going to go play poker. I said, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're in Vegas, you're going to do it. Yeah. always went to the ca- same casinos. We always went to the Aria, Caesars, you know, like the big, the yeah, big ones. Yeah. Um, we never went to any of the like other somewhat cheaper more, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say run down casinos, but not the more high end ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was always like the win and places like that we go to. But it's one day he just went. Oh, I want to go to Planet Hollywood. Like I don't, I don't know what made him think of this. Like yeah. we, we both never would have went there. But we were like, yeah, fine, whatever. We sat down at this table, and within an hour, we just I hit a royal flush on this, and that was like what the jackpot was yeah, for yeah, this yeah. thing. I mean, the odds of that happening, I think, are like two, one in two and a half million. And cut a long story short, I just. I mean, I fan through the cards really slowly. And the way I looked through the cards was I, I held my thumb over the suit. Uh-huh. So I wouldn't see if they were, like, if they were all black, I would know that I have at least three of the five, you know, because they were yeah. black. Yeah. So I fanned it out and it came King Jack Queen, all black, something. Ooh, okay, that's a nice, that's a nice start. And then uh, the 10 was there, then the ace was, and they were all black. So at this mm. point, I still didn't look at the suit. I just put the cards down and I looked at all the guys on the table. I said, guys, 
I might have a royal flush. I actually might have a royal flush. So then my friend, uh, he was in seat one. He turned his hand up first, and I saw he had the queen and jack of clubs. And the first card I saw, I saw it was a spade. Mm. Um, so I'm like, oh, my God, I've got three. And then, you know, just as time went on, we you all feel that little excitement building. Yeah. <laughs> it was just such a random thing. And to be honest, it was a bit of a blur because, like, it was just such an unexpected thing. Yeah. And then, yeah, they turned the hand over. It was the wild flush. The jackpot sign went off. The whole building was going ballistic. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing was as well, if you played on that table, if while somebody won the jackpot, everyone got $5,000. That's cool. But so they everyone was your best that. friend as well. <laughs> they didn't know that. So when they came and gave everyone $5,000 at the table, they were just screaming and stuff and them. But I didn't actually get that full amount. So firstly, they took out $106,000 in tax. Oof, but right. I can claim that back next year because the being British, we have a treaty with the US. Yeah. So that's that's, that's I, can, all right. I can claim that back. Yeah. But I had a deal with my friend from the beginning. If any of us hit a big jackpot, we split it 50-50. That's cool. So the second I won, the first thing I said was I looked over the table like, mate, you're getting a hundred and fifty thousand. <laughs> like I won't just not selfish at all. Like yeah. not gonna be one of those guys that tries and says, nice Oh, one. we didn't make a deal. Or like straight up, like You've got, you've just yes, you caught. Yeah, we're yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it was just a completely random, <laughs> unexpected thing, but it hasn't changed anything, to be honest. You know, like yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a substantial amount of money. But one thing I'm very grateful for is the fact that, you know, I did used to play professional poker. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw money come and go really quick. Oh, yeah. You know? So, like, you know, some of these cash games I'd be playing would be like, you know, you sit in for like 10,000 mm-hmm. pounds. Some days you win 20, 30, whatever. Some days you'd lose 20, 30,000, whatever. You know, it would fluctuate so much and having that m- amount of money coming in and out sometimes on a daily basis, it really teaches you that, you know, money isn't everything. And the thing for me was I was so engrossed in poker for like three years. Mm. I couldn't enjoy anything simple in life. Mm. Like for example, when COVID happened and everyone's on lockdown, people were going for walks and people were doing things and drawing and thi- I was just thinking of money constantly. I'd wake mm. in the morning and be like, right, I need, to, I need to make money, 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 money. Until I went to bed. And I'd be with family at meals. I'd be with, you know, my my girlfriend. I'd be with friends. I'd be with whatever. Yeah. And even though we'd be doing nice things, my mind was just polluted with the thought of money, mm. which killed me, man. Like, it absolutely killed me. Um, I went in a really downhill spiral mentally because of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it just ruins you, you know. Like, you hear the, the saying, money doesn't buy happiness. And I found that, you know, when I was a, a kid and a teenager in early 20s, when I had nothing, I was yeah. genuinely happier because everything was great. Yeah. Like if my mom called me and said, hey, do you want, we're going bowling. Do you want to come? When yeah. I was like 21 years old, I get so excited. <laughs> but when you have, you know, like a, a certain amount of money in the bank, say, let's just say 10,000 in the yeah. bank. That's enough to do almost whatever you want with. You can go and get a nice steak. You can have a nice hotel. You can. Yeah. And you don't have to worry about it as well. Yeah. yeah. It kind of takes away, you know, the simplicity in life if, if you let it. So when I did win that money in Vegas, I thought, you know, what it is. That's great. I'm going to invest it all Maybe keep five thousand. Yeah. It's like a, a you know a rainy day fund. Yeah, I'll buy myself a PS Five somewhere. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, simple things. I paid. I, I put. I paid for my teeth. I don't have turkey teeth. <laughs> yeah. I got, I got um, the Invisalign straight mm-hmm. my teeth out. You know, little things. I thought I'm not gonna, you know, splash on. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you know things that you normally have to like budget for. Yeah, and yeah, 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 yeah. And I thought yeah. you know this this time I'm gonna treat myself to things I kind of need, and then mm-hmm. that's it. You know, so I paid my car off, paid a few things off. Yeah. Um. And then uh, put the, all of it in. Yeah, uh, a smart move on your part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I don't want let money ruin me anymore because it has in the past. Yeah. Having so much of it available, I found this just, yeah. 
Yeah, it's man. not a good thing. If well, it can be, so yeah, we'll definitely loop around to that as well. So yeah. one of the things that obviously I want to tell your story today, let you tell your story, hear a bit more about you, because I found out loads of interesting shit. And I'm like, <laughs> I want to know more. Yeah. So, but take us back to sort of your childhood, your high school years. It's kind of where your story sort of starts for a lot of yeah, a lot of reasons. So you were quite a sin. You had no friends. You weren't really. You know, you were quite reclusive. You kind of lost yourself in Minecraft and stuff like that RuneScape. a little bit. RuneScape, RuneScape sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So how how was your school life back then? What was it kind of well, like it's, for you? it's really interesting. Um, it's funny because the first thing I want to say is I was never physically bullied. And there's some newspapers and articles out there. They, they stretch it. Yeah, they massively. do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I was definitely bullied at school, but most people were in some mm-hmm. way. I'm sure you've experienced your fair oh, share. Yeah, yeah. Well, there probably has at some point. You know, everybody has been through it. Yeah. I feel like I was just affected a little bit more than others um, outside of school. Like I, I remember quite a few times running home from high school during the middle of class, just running home from school crying, sitting on my doorstep waiting for my mum, like shaking, crying, just mm. riddled with like anxiety and fear and all these things. Um, but it never used to be that way. So like I would say in first school and middle school, if people were watching from abroad, that's like age of say five to 13. Mm. I had a pretty good... You know, childhood. My mum was a childminder, so she was never at work. She was always at home. Yeah, yeah. All my friends who she used to look after would come back to my house from school and would play and stuff. It was great. She was quite sociable. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, everyone's a kid when you're 13. You know, you act stupid, you do stupid stuff. You you know, life was great. My problem was when I went to high school, I was still that kid. When everyone else was growing up, like, for example, all all my friends were listening to, like, 50 Cent and all these guys and whatever. I was still watching SpongeBob at 16, you know, like, <laughs> like genuinely loving it. Hey man, I'm 27. I still love a good SpongeBob yeah. episode, man. But at high school, you don't want to like say that. You know? Yeah, you don't, don't admit cool, it, yeah. You know? So I actually remember the first day of high school before I went, I stood in front of the mirror in my house at the bottom of the stairs with my uniform and stuff on. And I actually spoke to myself, like looked at myself in the eyes. Mm. I was like, right, Zach, this is your chance. This is your opportunity to be cool, to mm. get friends, to be that popular guy. Because I always had friends, but not many, you know, just like maybe one or two. And, yeah. Um, I saw this as an opportunity when I went into high school to be somebody else. Yeah. And that's what I tried to be. I tried to be somebody else. I was acting differently. I was pretending to like stuff I didn't like. And I was just trying to fit in. And I found that that didn't work. And more than anything, it was making me miserable. So I kind of just gave up on that. And then, um, you know, I had a pretty decent time in high school. It wasn't terrible, but... Just like I say, certain people, certain things really got to me, and when they did get to me, it just it was too much for me to cope with. Yeah. Um, but I did have some friends, and but the problem was, you know, in high school you have like groups. Yeah. So, like over here we have like yeah. trendies and like the raggies and the, and the, the mean girls. girls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Yeah. In America, you have like the jocks and the geeks and yeah, all these yeah. different things. I would have like maybe one or two friends from each group, mm-hmm. but the rest of the group hated me. Yeah, yeah. So like at school, I didn't have like a place to hang out. I would kind of just like dot around. Mm. Um, but outside of school, I would hang out with my friends, but like just that one friend. Yeah, yeah. The rest of them. But my life was RuneScape. Mm-hmm. When I was, say, since 2005, it was basically, I would say 2005 to 2009. Those four or five years was just 10 plus hours a day because mm-hmm. for me, that was my escape from reality. Yeah. Within this game, I was a high level character and you know people would be in like in awe at my character in this game, which made me feel yeah. amazing. And when you're so engrossed into something, and I mean, I really believed back then, like I was that guy. My idols in life were from this game. Mm. Um, 
which is another story I want to tell you about actually. Um, that's why I used to play this game religiously to s- yeah. to escape this you know geeky small skinny bullied kid at school to being this powerful high level character in game where people would like genuinely admire me. Yeah, I wanted this character, you know, so that's why I played that game so much, and mm-hmm. people couldn't understand that. And you know, at the time, I couldn't really explain that. Yeah, it's um, I, I relate to that as well because I used to come home and I used to have MSN open on one window yeah. and then RuneScape on the other, and you know it was just hours of cutting down trees and yeah. and uh, standing by the exchange saying <laughs> who wants to swap for this and buying this for X amount of money and yeah. stuff like that. And I do miss those days, but you are right, there is that. I think that's why a lot of people love video games, especially is because when their life's going to shit or they're not in a place they want to be, if there's something in a game world where they are what they want to be in this game world, it's very easy to get lost in that and put hours of your I mean, time. You can be that character you want to well, be. Well, yeah, exactly. You, I mean, you, you can dress any way you want yeah. to be a character. I know it's like if in most games where you have the option to create a character, like Skyrim or GDA or something, you can look a certain way. Mm-hmm. People never dress in shirt and ties. Mm-hmm. Whatever they have, like green spiky hair or tattoos on the face and stuff. Yeah, like they're, they're they're living out this character they wish they kind of could be in real life, but they can't because mm. they're judged and people look at them and they talk about them. And here's a question for you, though. Here's a question for you. Would if you were to create a character now, mm. would he look like you, or would he look like you used to create him back then? Can you remember a game called Def Jam: Fight for New York? Yeah, <laughs> my character, fifteen years ago when I made it, looked like me now. That's cool. What just like you? Yeah, yeah nice. Small waist. Big upper body, blonde spiky hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So you kind yeah. of like, my, my, I think my old characters used to have like, uh, I was very big a Devil May Cry fan, so like white, long white sort of emo hair and yeah, stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm like, every character I make is like bald ginger beard. That's, that's <laughs> I love it. Yeah. You can never have glasses in a lot of games, so I'm yeah. just like, oh, well, I guess I'm just going to have to lose that nerdy edge with yeah, the glasses. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. But no, I found that like, yeah, when I did used to create these characters, it was, strength was always the biggest thing. So like mm-hmm. in RuneScape, strength was my highest level and things like this. But yeah, I always admired like strong guys like muscular men like not in a like i'm attracted to type of way but i just like thought these guys are fucking awesome. this is who you want to like, be that's, yeah that's what i want like i want to be strong i want to be like mm-hmm. you know alpha i guess like don't mess with me kind of thing um not that i go around like acting like that mm-hmm. at all no. i just think that you know as a kid who was the skinniest guy at school as well as being the whitest guy in existence <laughs> i just found that you know if i had muscle like that's you know, ultimately that was just always my goal mm-hmm. was to just be bigger and stronger more confident and you know, um, that's what I strive for. And then, um, yeah, I just started going to the gym. And then as yeah. soon as I saw the first result, which was like a slight line down my chest, mm-hmm. I was hooked. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll get into that as well. So course, did yeah. you, um, I read one piece and obviously you're going to have to clarify these for, for the audience and, yeah, and myself as well. So there's one piece that r- said that you used to climb water towers. Oh, mate, I climbed everything. <laughs> <laughs> or like an Assassin's Creed parkour style, like just climbing towers. Here's a really funny one. I was up that water tower three nights ago. Well, the same one, yeah, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, yeah. Well, it mentions that you used to think that this is this the day that I yeah. jump off. Yeah, so can true. you get into that a little bit? Absolutely. So there was a, a particular, there's been like maybe three periods in my life where I like really struggled. Mm-hmm. Um, two of them were like really, really dark times. One was this time. Uh, I was very lonely at the point. Like all my friends who I did know moved away, went to uni, whatever. Um, I was living by myself. Well, half with my dad, half by myself. And me and my dad used to clash mm. massively. I mean, there's videos of him online, angry dad, you know, this wow. viral videos. But he, we, we just couldn't really live together. You know, we'd just clash with everything. Um, our hormones were changing. I didn't know what I was going to do in life. I was flat broke was trying to make a living through um, 
fitness, modeling, bodybuilding. Um, I was getting so much work, but I wasn't getting paid for a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I had like 100,000 followers, but I was broke. You know, like yeah. money wasn't coming in. How old are you at this point? 19. Right. Maybe tw- maybe 20. I think I think 19. Um, yeah, 19, 20. But I had, um, I, ha- I had it in my mind that like, you know, I have all these followers and I have all these opportunities. I'm doing all these photo shoots around the world and stuff. I don't need a normal job. I'm not going to go and work mm. for nine to five when I've got this like kind of mentality. But at the same time, I had no money coming in. So I got my first ever job. I worked as, um, I don't know what the official title is, but I was essentially putting pipes together in this industrial warehouse. And it right. was horrendous. Um, I had a, a space, maybe a fifth of the size of this room. It was mm. tiny yeah. just to put pipes together all day, 10 hours a day. Jesus. Grim. My back was wrecked and everything was sore and like. But your hands were fucked as well. Everything just yeah. It was it was a pretty hard hard job. But I was looking around like at all these guys. There was a lot of guys there doing it. I'm thinking, man, like I am I'm done. I've I've already been here a week, and I'm sick of this. Like, how can you guys be doing this for years? And I yeah. like had so much admiration for these guys. But anyway, I did three weeks of that because I started um, a weekend of the month, and then everyone got paid at the end of the month. Um, but I did overtime on the weekends and mm-hmm. I stayed after hours and stuff because I really was so driven to make money. And after three weeks and doing overtime most weekends, I got £850. And I was just like looking at this check thinking, are you fucking joking? I was so angry at this yeah. check. I was like, are you serious? Is this all I've got for all that work and all that pain I've put my back in? And I had to go and get uh, chiropractic work done and stuff because yeah. my back was ruined from this. I mean, that, All that money would have probably went on the chiropractor so as well. So at yeah. this point, I like ran out of this. I told the boss... Uh, Brian Trenchy was called, bless me, he passed away. I said, Trenchy, because I've known him since I was a kid. Like yeah. He's my dad's friend. I said, Trenchy, I'm leaving, I'm done. And he was like, what, why? And I explained, I said, look, if I can spend 40 hours a week on myself, working as hard as I did here, I am convinced I can make more than 800 pound a month. Fair. And he shook my hand, he said, fair play. You know, if you, have, if you ever need to come back, you, you can, you know. Yeah. We always respect each other. And I went out and I was just so motivated from then. You know, I started like, really looking for opportunities and all these things and things actually started lifting up but as things started to get really good the worst turn in my life back then happened so my absolute best friend in the whole world ever um adrian bless him he was diagnosed with uh cancer essentially it was um oh what's the word called again um, mesothelioma which is just one of the most brutal ones you yeah, can yeah, have, yeah. Um, which just destroyed me um but he lived in california so I remember I flew out there to spend like the, some final moments with him before he did pass. Mm. Had a great time in California. Everything was great. And then he was just like, hey, do you want to go to Alaska with us? We're going to go as a family and going to go and see the Aurora Borealis. And cool, yeah. Like, oh, absolutely. So we went to Alaska. Everything was great. But I was seeing him day after day just deteriorate in front. And mm. he changed in every way. His voice changed. His physical appearance changed because of all of the steroids and stuff he had to be on and all of these treatments. And Internally, it was killing me seeing like my absolute like best yeah. friend and soulmate go through this, but I had to stay strong for him. Um, and then on Christmas Day in the UK, he he passed away. So Christmas was always ruined for me. Since yeah, then. yeah. But it was just since I lost him, I, I found that he was always that one guy who guided me through life. When people were being mean to me or uh, over here, and I was having family issues or anything that was going wrong, mm. he was like my rock. He was like the one person I could go to for anything. And you know, not just the fact that he wasn't there anymore. Seeing him suffer, you know, just really affected yeah, me. Yeah, man. 
And I just found that, you know, I was so unbelievably depressed. I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. The thought of going to the gym was just non-existent, mm-hmm. which therefore made me lose a lot of weight. Um, so then when I looked in the mirror, that made me even worse. And then just everything just seemed to be snowballing downhill yeah, for yeah. me. I found that one night, maybe after two and a half, three days of no sleep, I found myself on that water tower because that used to be like my happy place. I'd always go up there, mm. look at the sunsets and stuff. That's cool. And I was sat on the edge of it thinking like, <laughs> if I just leaned forward now, I wouldn't feel like this anymore. Because mm. I would have obviously just fell off and just either been dead or completely fucked. I would have been yeah. conscious anymore. Yeah, yeah. But that's how low I was in that moment. And I kind of just th- felt myself, if I just lean forward now, I wouldn't feel this pain anymore. And as I was not, I wasn't really contemplating it, but it was a very strong thought process at the, in that moment. Mm. I felt like I was just yanked back and I was lying back there and th- there was nobody there. I really, But at the time it really felt like somebody had just pulled me back. Mm. So then I'm lying on top of this water tower, crying my eyes out, thinking like, what is, what's going on with my life and all these things? And then... I just felt Adrian was like behind me saying, you're stronger than this. Mm-hmm. And you've got all these followers who look up to you and you're an example and all these things. And I just heard, like, I didn't hear a voice, but like I imagined a voice of him saying, stand up, come on, let's go. Mm. So I was like, wipe my eyes, walking back home, um, which was like a three mile walk at like four in the morning. <laughs> uh, Walked back home, managed to sleep that night. And then from then I was just like motivated and determined to mm. change my life and fix how I feel and, it was tough, but, you know, that's the very short version of it, essentially. Do you still hear his voice in the back of your head when you're going through hard times now? Very rarely, to be honest. I mean, he, he did die, you know what, um, know, like 10 years ago now, nine, mm. nine years ago. So it, not as much, but, you know, I think about him all the time. I do think about him all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but with what I've recently been through, um, I've also been through a lot of a lot of hard times. It's It was ridiculous. I had, like, two years of just bad thing after bad thing yeah, happened. Yeah. And, you know, I was questioning so much. Like, why me? What, what have I done? Is this karma for something I haven't realized I've done? And mm. just, I had this, two, two years of my life recently have been horrific. Thankfully, that's over now and things are getting better. Like, yeah. it's great. Um, but I used to think about it a lot. Mm. Yeah. Do you think as you've progressed through, just as a side note, as you progress through your, these opportunities that have been given to you, obviously you've had a, a very roller coaster of a life, you know, yeah. but you've done incredible highs and then you've you've obviously got those low lows. Like Absolutely. do you think because you've been through this, do you think because you're on that path, that's what's put these in front of you, these challenges? Do you because I think in my personal belief that the more you strive to do more, the more challenges, the more like you're gonna have higher I call them higher quality problems. Yeah, hundred like, percent. Yeah. yeah. I think going back to that mo- more money, more problems thing. Mm-hmm. It, it's so true. Um but not just with money with everything. I mean I was skyrocketed into this industry. I mean, I posted my first picture on Facebook and it got six likes, my first topless picture. Mm-hmm. My third or fourth got 10. And I was like so happy that I hit double fingers. Mm-hmm. My fifth went viral and I had like 40,000. Yeah. <laughs> um, because it was just shared by so yeah. many of these fitness pages and stuff. And within, I think the first year of making my Instagram, I had 100,000 followers yeah. and was traveling it, the world. Was this after you, because you got invited to a model shoot in, in, in Florida, was it? Is that after was, that that I kind of blew up? was, so I posted my first picture on Facebook. A photographer in London asked me to do a shoot there with him. Mm-hmm. I was so scared to do it, I asked my dad if he'd come with me because I just, I, in my mind, I was like, right, this, because it was a gay photographer and mm-hmm. he primarily shot for, um, 
magazines and you know like uh, fashion stuff and I just you know me being a insecure 19 year old I was like mm, I've heard stories about these kind of guys yeah yeah it's I can imagine the mindset so yeah I asked my dad to come with me and the guy was very professional you know because it was underwear modeling so I was like mm-hmm. mm, I've heard stories about these creepy photographers anyway I took my dad with me the shoot went really well yeah and the pictures from that shoot did even better and when these pictures came out from him I had a guy from China messaged me saying he was going to Vegas for the Olympia and he has some uh, photographers out there who were interested in shooting me. Nice. He wanted to fly me out there to do some photo shoots and um, I was supposed to do one, I think maybe two in Vegas during the Miss Olympia weekend. I ended up doing seven uh, with different photographers, like the highest photographers in yeah, the yeah, yeah. at the time. And I also landed three magazine covers in that week. So I went from, you know, posting a picture on Facebook to literally a week later being in Vegas mm. on the cover of three magazines, shooting with the best photographers and just instantly. That's like, what you call overnight success, isn't yeah, it? Almost. Yeah. With that has came these, like you said, incredible peaks. And mm-hmm. then when it all stops, it feels like a tremendous crash. Mm-hmm. And my life's always kind of been that way. So whether mm-hmm. it's been fitness stuff, competing, uh, poker, DJing, um, anything like that, it's extreme highs. And then yeah. all of a sudden it's finished and it's back to, <laughs> you are, yeah, exactly. But well, one of the extreme highs I found about you was that you you uh, DJed in Cav- was it Cavos for three three months? Is that correct? Six months. Yeah. Six months. Yeah. This newspaper article needs to sort of shit. Yeah, but like you, when you came back from this whole DJ experience, your liver was in quite a state. Oh, it was horrendous. So that the three there was three it was three months of like excessive drinking. Yeah, it was a full season. But I'm sure I did six in total. But there was a yeah a three month season I did where I just drank every single day but people like oh yeah i do that on holiday but mate no i was waking up at 7 p.m <laughs> that's when i'd wake up yeah pre-drink from waking up because i would start work at nine so i'd wake up eat start drinking before i played because i i couldn't play as well mm-hmm. and use the microphone with as much um like enthusiasm with yeah confidence uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry I'm just woke up sorry man I couldn't use a microphone with as much confidence if I hadn't had a drink so I would drink from like say 7.30 8pm start working at 9 from 9 till 4 in the morning was like my usual shift mm-hmm. I'd be drinking throughout the whole night and then from 4 morning till 9 in the morning I'd be drinking at all the after parties mm-hmm. I'd sleep from like 9 till 10 10am 10 absolutely hammered like wasted yeah sleep all through the sun day um wake up at 7, 8 p.m. again, start drinking. I did that for three months. And, I mean, I wasn't just, like, having one drink an hour. I was drinking, like, constantly. Shots, yeah, shots, shots, yeah, shots. Yeah, yeah. Probably went through, like, a litre. Well, when you're out day. there, that's the lifestyle, though. Like, yeah. people people think that they go on a bender on a Friday and that's, yeah. like, the worst of it. I'm never drinking again. It's like, but imagine doing that every day for, like, months. I like, never got hungover, so I could do it all the time. Because, you, well, you probably weren't sober to, to get hungover. <laughs> I mean, I, I never threw up. I was never felt sick. I never had any sort of issues, nothing. I just thought mm. this was great. And then I slept it off, woke up the next day, ready again. Yeah. So I was living the dream at the, you know, 19 years old doing that, but I had a serious wake up call that, that holiday. So yeah, like you said, as we were coming back home, I noticed I just had back pain, like lower back pain. So mm. That's probably the really terrible beds I've been yeah. sleeping in and obviously dancing for three months straight, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so oh, I'll just ease off. But after like a week or two at home, it just didn't go away. If anything, it got worse and it spread from like one part of my back and like around the full lower back. Mm-hmm. So like, okay, this isn't normal. So I went to a chiropractor because at the time I was so uneducated on what physio was or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, the chiropractor just cracked my back. 
And I think, if anything, you made it worse because I didn't need crack. Yeah. So I came out with that feeling like, okay, that's just a waste of money. And I feel even worse now. I'm going to go to the doctors because, you know, this, yeah, is, this yeah, is not yeah. good. So they asked me a few questions. They poked me a few times and they poked me one place. I was like, ah, oh, Jesus, you know, don't do that. Mm. He said, okay, that's, <laughs> that's not a good sign. So they, d- they ran my bloods, they done a few tests. And then I think like a couple of days later, they rang me asking to go back in. So instantly I'm like, oh God, I'm dying. Like <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah. That's if that's a doctor asks you to come back quickly, like, yeah, it's, it's not yeah, good. Yeah. Went down and they basically just told me my liver's fucked. Um, well, they said it was the liver of a 50-year-old, is that yeah, right? Yeah, 50-year-old who's been drinking his whole life. Jesus. Um, but I don't know, because he was like a, a friend of the family doctor. I was like, is he doing that to scare me? Or is he actually like, is that real? Yeah. Either way, it scared the living shit out of me. Because I was 19. And the thing was, too, one of my uh, good friends out there who was... He wasn't a roommate. Like, we didn't share the room together. We were, like, next-door neighbors. Yeah. Basically roommates, but, you know, slept in different rooms. We used to drink together all the time, party together all the time in Cavos. He was maybe two years older than me. Mm-hmm. Um, he died, actually, when he came back home. What, what from the alcohol consumption? I or? assume so. Because, I mean, he drank more than me, and it was, like, every day as well. Yeah. Absolute legend. I loved him to death. But, yeah, he just suddenly died um, after, you know, flying back to the U.K., yeah. So after you know seeing that and hearing this from the doctor, I was just like, "Is it me next?" Mm-hmm. Yeah. Living in fear all the time uh, for the next couple of days, and then I was just I had this like breakthrough moment. Uh, I was sat at my desk worrying about my liver and stuff, and I just jumped up, <laughs> went, uh, put my running shoes on, well, just normal trainers, and just started running. Just mm. started running because I was like, "This is going to get me fitter." Yeah. I went to Mo- uh, Morrison's. I bought nothing but green veg food. <laughs> Berries. Yeah, this really kickstarted the health thing, yeah. Yeah, it's just super, super health food. I went back home, emptied everything out my cupboards that wasn't healthy. And then that was it. I was just on this like fitness journey again. Because I always trained before that in school, but mm-hmm. the alcohol and DJ inside of things took over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then from that moment, like, do you know when you you hear those guys saying, I'm never drinking again? Yeah. Well, I said, I'm never drinking again. And then I, I just didn't. Yeah, what, what is your relationship like with drink now since then? Do you well, have the occasional Baileys at Christmas or something? Yeah, or? so like now, I mean, I've had, I think maybe three drinks this year, mm-hmm. which is it, you know, we're coming to the end of the year now, so I'm pretty proud of that. Yeah. But do you know how I was saying like the past, for like two years, I've been pretty rough. I was drinking a lot during that. Mm-hmm. Like a lot for an athlete, you know. Um, I was partying all the time. I was going to raves every weekend, mm-hmm. like big raves in the Netherlands, you know, not just like a local club with 500 people. We're talking like 50,000 people. In yeah. Hardcore techno, like raw yeah. style, hard style, like hardcore raves, you know, and uh, I was just getting absolutely plastered at most of them. And, uh, but for the most part, I was usually really good, but I have this thing now where I just can't seem to get drunk. <laughs> it's really strange. What, uh, with trying or just? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, I don't know what it is, but like, say this is a graph. This is 9 p.m. This mm-hmm. is three in the morning. This is sober and this is wasted. You know, when most people drink, they'll drink, 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 drink. And by three in the morning, they're absolutely happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is me. Drink. <laughs> drink, 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 drink. Oh, so you have like your spike and then you yeah, come it's down. it's crazy. So I'll have like one or two drinks and I'll really feel it and everything's great. And I'm yeah. a bit more confident, more chatty. I'm hugging more people. I'm so happy to be out. And then after ten drinks, I'm completely sober, but I mm. feel sick. So yeah. I'm I'm yeah. sort of so like I, I mean, obviously you go through that phase. Um, I was never, I, you know, I've never been to Ibiza. I never did the party scene and stuff. You know what I mean? I'm a little nerd. You know, I stay inside and that. But uh, you know, I would go out to the clubs. I do Friday, Saturday, 
Um, that was my thing every week. And, you know, the one thing that I've discovered about alcohol is it's the only drug that if you don't take it, people assume you've got a problem. Oh, yeah, 100%. And it's, yeah. But it's like, when I used to go to Weatherspoons and stuff, you know, on the pictures and stuff, why are you not drinking tonight? You're yeah. being weird, you're boring, whatever. I'm like, especially when I start getting in the gym and stuff. Obviously, I've trained for what, seven something years now, you know what I mean? I've never trained like an athlete or anything yeah. like that, but I took it seriously enough to, you know, where I feel good about my life. I don't, I'm not this skinny, weedy, depressed kid. Um, but alcohol played a part in that. And the weird thing is, as soon as I started training more, the less I want to drink, yeah. the less I gave a shit. You know, I was more concerned about how I felt internally than how I looked externally. 100%, yeah. yeah. That's me now. I'm on a super, like, health mission. Uh, but, no, you, you, you're 100% right. I feel like it's a very, it's a peer pressure thing, isn't it? You know, you yeah. go out and if you're not drinking, you feel like the one guy who's not drinking and everyone's judging you for it. And if you do drink... Well, I mean, me now, you're doing it to please others. Yeah. So I just don't go out anymore. You know? Yeah. Well, um, it's it's in our nature to want to be accepted by the people around us. Yeah, you know what I mean? Even if you look at what cavemen brains, you know, we we'll want to be accepted by the tribes and all this stuff. Like, it makes sense. But then it's like, we'll go find a tribe of people who don't need to get smashed. That's the thing. That's why I move country. Mm-hmm. Um, not just saying this, like, I'm not being negative, but I find that the British mentality is one of the worst in the in the planet. Well, yeah, there was hotels in, what was it, Spain that stopped Brits from drinking on all-inclusives or something. It's, it's just one of those things, man. Like I feel like people here just have pea brains. You know, especially <laughs> like the footballers, and like the football yeah. fans. You can be at a football um, match yeah. and have people literally killing themselves, and, well, killing each other, fighting, throwing bricks, punching horses. You know, you have to get so many riot police in because yeah. people are just screaming and like, God, so much hate and negativity. Mm-hmm. I was at the remembrance service the other day and I just thought to myself, if we had a Newcastle supporter and a Sunderland supporter next to each other now, they'd be best friends because they're remembering the fallen. Mm-hmm. The second they walk away from here, they'd be punching each other again. It just yeah. it blows my mind how you know people act over here, especially though with drinking and diet. Yeah, You know, diet and fitness is my life. But I don't go around pushing it in people's faces. You know, I let mm-hmm. people do what they want. But... I feel like people are so close-minded over here. They don't even want to listen to what potential simple alternatives it could be to living he- healthier and happier and longer. Yeah. Um, for example, oil. So like seed oils are probably one of the worst things you could ever put in your body. Rapeseed oil, sunflower oil, vegetable oil. Throw that out if you have that in your house. Get rid of it now. Lewis, throw out our oil. Throw it out. Like, get rid of it. Use olive oil, coconut oil. Yeah, corn oil is a nice one. Real butter, not the Le pack spreadable butter. Read the pack. Have you got spreadable butter in the house? Read the back of it. It's mm-hmm. like 50% sunflower oil. It's, you know, not actual butter. Yeah. Get a real block of butter that has no ingredients in it, just butter. Well, people, a lot of people's calories, that they're, they're wondering why they're not losing weight, but like oil's got so many calories in it that people don't even think about when they're but smothering the, their chicken in it. True. But that's what I was saying about the British mentality is I've tried to explain to certain people, like my, my mum, for example, bless her. She has fibromyalgia. Just got uh, arthritis. Just got a lot of inflammation-related diseases. Mm-hmm. So, part of the reason I hate these oils, the sunflower ones, for example, they increase inflammation in the body. They mm. shocking for it. So I was trying to explain to my mum: just replace your sunflower oil with olive oil. Yeah, but it's more expensive. And I'm just like, <laughs> it's, it's like, like a pound. <laughs> yeah, it's not. And it'll last you five months. You yeah. know what I mean? And, you know, but if you go to the Netherlands and try and teach somebody about this, they're very open-minded. They're very, mm. oh, really interesting. And you go to Spain or France, whatever, you, you know, even the f- even though the French are pretty miserable people, they're still open-minded compared to people over here. Uh-huh. Um, 
I just find that you know British people are more judgmental. They talk about each other behind their backs more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if I was, I'm seeing the Netherlands because I lived there. If somebody had a problem with me, me with me over there, they would come up to me. They would address it. They would say, "Hey, you've done this. I don't like it. Can we fix it and move yeah. forward?" I love that. Yeah. If I've annoyed you, please tell me. I will do my best to fix that. Yeah. Over here, hey, great to see you. How are we doing? Everything's good. The second they turn on, what a fucking dick. I hate him. Yeah. Do you see how he's dressed? Yeah, <laughs> it is, like, it it's is that back, behind the back <laughs> bitchiness, isn't it? But yeah. I mean, I don't like it, man. We do have a weird culture here. And it, it, do you know what, just when as soon as you mentioned your mum as well, I'm like, my mum is exactly the same. Stubborn, she, eh? She's been trying <laughs> to lose weight for so long, man. And I'm just like, just change this, do this, don't eat this, yeah. eat this instead. Super minor tweaks. Yeah, and then yeah. she'll like lose a couple of pounds, but then it's like something will come up and then it's like, oh, I'm just having this pizza. And then it's just, it's like, yeah. it's just, if you just stuck to something for more than like a Three week. Days, yeah. yeah, it's like you would see the results, yeah. but th- that is the majority. I mean, you look, you've got this obesity problem now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like people don't take the health seriously. I mean, I think they're reckoning, what is it like 2030, 2040, something like half the world's, over half the world's going to be obese. Well, we're nearly there now. Yeah, more or less. In the US, it's like 40%. It's yeah. Insane. There's certain, there's, there is a country in the world where it's over 50%. I can't mm. remember which, but it is over 50% obese of the population. It's yeah. insane. Someone said to me the other day, have you ever seen a fat Chinese person? I was like, I've also never seen a pregnant Chinese woman either. I was like, you have to show me them because I've never seen one. <laughs> really? Yeah. But um, no, what I was going to say again was, um, oh yeah, no. So like, yeah, with fitness and health, I'm I'm definitely not like one of these extremists who goes around and pushes it on everyone. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't be fat. You shouldn't be skinny. You shouldn't. I'm more than happy to let people be what they want. Yeah. If you're happy and fat, mint. I love that. Go for it. Mm-hmm. If you're not bothered at all by being unhealthy or having like risks with your health, fine. That's great. As long as you're happy, that's all I'm, I care mm. about. It's those people that complain about everything and don't do anything about it that drives me nuts. So I've got friends and family who do nothing but complain. Yep. I'm not going to mention names because they'll get upset. They will see this. But they complain constantly about their health, their body, their they're in pain all the time physically. They've got no energy to do anything. They're out of breath. They can't. They just can't yeah, do anything. Yeah, yeah. They're constantly complaining. And then they have a son who has 10 years plus experience with everything they're talking about, who's trying to help them and give them yeah. advice. And they just turn their backs to me, don't want to hear anything. But then they happily go to a doctor, listen to what the doctor says, and takes all the tablets they give them that isn't doing anything. It's mm-hmm. The tablets are just masking their problems. Yeah. So I find as well that if you had a car and the engine warning light came on, how do you fix that? You don't just take out the light that says there's a problem, do you? And ignore it. True. You take it to the the, the garage, you get it fixed. You do something about it. Yeah. But with our bodies, as soon as we have a headache or a cold or our breathing gets heavy or something, we take these tablets to suppress and mask that feeling. Mm. We're not fixing the problem. We're not fixing the root of the problem. Yeah. We're masking it. And that's what this this population, this world has become to now. If we have something wrong with us, it's a recurring problem. We take medicine to mask that problem. Mm-hmm. We don't go to the source and think, right, why is this problem occurring in the first place and what can I do to fix it and yeah. prevent it from happening? That's what I'm getting frustrated with my family because yeah. I know how to fix uh, some of the issues with certain people. I know what the process is and it's very simple. It's just making minor changes in your life, mm-hmm. like I said, diet, being a little bit more active, doing certain things, but they're just so stubborn. They yeah, yeah, yeah. And they just, I feel like they're just happy. By the, complaining makes them happy. Mm. I truly totally well, believe it. This is the thing that I was talking about this on Facebook the other day. Someone disagreed with me, but fuck them. I said <laughs> uh, yeah. self sabotage doesn't exist. 
it's self-soothing because you don't actively go your way to fuck yourself over. You don't actively go your way to make yourself unhealthy, but you don't change because you get something from staying the same. You know what I mean? You if if because you don't change, you are secure in who you are. If you're fat and, and people say do this, do this, do this, do this, and you think ah oh, well I I tried to do it once. You know what I mean? It's like you backed off because it was uncertain. You didn't have all the answers, but as you were, you had all the answers. You knew who you were. You knew what you could eat. There was this relief of not having to change. Yeah. And I'm like, you, once you see that self sabotage doesn't exist, you are never actually sabotaging yourself because you're actually getting something from what you're currently doing. And it's like, like if someone's trying to lose weight, for example, ah, oh, I self sabotaged. I had I had fish and chips, and you know, I I stopped going to the gym or whatever. Didn't get up in time. That's on you. It's not you didn't actively go away to self sabotage. You self soothe by saying, "Well, I'm going to stay in bed. Yeah, I'm going. I want this. I value this fish and chips more than I do this chicken and fucking kale. Yeah. I mean, it's like you are getting something from staying the same. And as soon as you realize that, yeah. you take responsibility and you can actually get on with what it is you said you were going to do. Well, I usually say to my clients who struggle with um, the diet initially, I always say like two, two or three things. Firstly, the first hurdle is always the hardest. Mm -hmm. If you can do the first week, you'll find that after that, it actually gets so much easier. Yeah. But secondly, what's worse? The feeling of, oh, I'm not having pizza now. Or the fact that you do eat what you want and you stay the way you are. Where, mm. you, where you're Initially, you've came to me for a reason. You've came to lose weight. You've came to build muscle, whatever it is. You've came with a goal. What's worse? Not achieving the goal because of your own comforts or stepping out of your comfort zone a bit, taking something out of your life, which isn't a, a, a treat, an enjoyment, you know, like pizza or ice cream or cake or whatever it is that you have every day. Mm -hmm. Eliminating that and suffering with good, healthy food or doing what you want and staying the same and being unhappy. What's mm. worse? I always tell them that. And as soon as I say that, like, actually, you're right. It's a small sacrifice for a big reward. It really is. Yeah. Um, but then sometimes I'll even say to people, okay, here's my diet for my competition. And I hate to compare because it puts you on pedestals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't like to do that. Everybody's different and has their own goals. But I'll, some of these diets I'm sending my clients are brilliant. They're really tasty, really enjoyable, really good, and mm -hmm. they're seeing the results. But after like, yeah, like you say, like four or five days, they're starting to get quiet. The updates aren't coming in. They're mm. not sending me their weight. They're not sending me updates. And I'm like, hey, where are you? What's what's happening? Oh, sorry, mate. I missed two meals yesterday because of this. I'm like, well, you know, it's it's pretty easy, mate. You can just take it in the Tupperware box. Yeah. It takes two minutes to eat, two minutes. Um, and then I'll say, hey, okay, look at this diet. This is what I eat. And then they're like, okay, yeah, mine's, mine's pretty good. Can't really complain. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah exactly. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think that especially with the world we live in now, everything's so accessible. Yeah. I mean, you can see, firstly, attention spans people have significantly limited. Significantly limited. We'll watch one video for three seconds and we're on to the next. Mm. We want something, we can get it. We can click it. You know, so if you want to eat, you can just order it on your phone by doing this with your thumb. You know, mm -hmm. We're just turning into lazy fuckers, man. The whole world is progressively getting lazier and lazier and lazier. Mm -hmm. And it's showing. Um, but I, I, I always challenge people, if you can just step out of this comfort zone, actually put a bit of effort into your life and stop being a bit of a lazy fuck, the reward and the feeling after that is mm -hmm. like, man, I did this. So I remember watching this clip of a Marine saying he makes his bed religiously every Sunday morning. Yeah, yeah. And there was a reason why. And I remember sitting there thinking, who cares? Like, it's just a bed, you know? You, yeah, you yeah, mess yeah. it up again in the night. And until I thought, you know what it is? Look at me being a judgmental fuck. I'm just sat here complaining about this guy making his bed. I'm going to get up and try it. And I didn't just 
washed my sheet and put it on. I made it. I mm -hmm. really put effort in. And it took me like two minutes. But after that two minutes, I felt this like, wow, I did that. Look look how nice my bed looked. Mm. And the feeling I got from just making my bed set me up for the whole day. Yeah, well, it's it's stacking wins. That's what, uh, you know what it is? It's like you start the day off. Well, most people start the day off. They've, they're have underslept for one. They've went to bed yeah. too late. Their alarm kicks off and they're like dragged out of this dream. Like <laughs> the heart's already going. Their alarm's yeah. kicking off at them. Uh, then they'll, they'll leave their bed a mess. They'll do it later or whatever. Then they'll run downstairs. They'll slam some toast or some fucking cereal in. Speaking of which. Then, yeah. <laughs> and then they'll, uh, you know, then they'll rush out of work. They'll maybe forget to brush their teeth or they'll try and get their kids ready for work. There's just this mad scramble in the morning. Whereas if you slept a bit better, yeah, got, got up, you know, yeah. you make your bed calmly. You don't just shove it on. You know, you do it calm. You set yourself up for a calmer day than Definitely. this anxious running around fucking shitting your pants everywhere. Oh, I forgot this. I've done. Ah, oh, oh, I mean, day's ruined. Do you know what I mean? That's how most people live. And it's like, just take your fucking time, sleep better, eat better. And it all just comes together. But like you said, it's the simple things that people just don't want to do. Yeah. Simple. Simplicity has been taken away from a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Like I said, going back to this whole poker thing for me, it was taken away from my life. Yeah. And I found that without simplicity in my life and having everything at the best and this and that and the other, it, it ruined me. It, yeah. I was yeah. living in this hectic state of mind constantly. And like I just was miserable. I was completely miserable. You know, I had a big house and I had a nice car and I had, I was eating out at great restaurants all the time yeah. and stuff, but I was miserable because of it. Like, Simplicity out of my life was gone. Mm -hmm. And I feel like if you lack simplicity and you can't enjoy the simple things, then, you know, you need to fix it. And you can fix it. That's the thing. I feel like people, especially when they're in this situation where they're like, right, this is going on or this is going on or this, it's never going to get better. Mm. But it will. And it can. But you consciously need to make an effort. And I'm going to relate to myself on this one. Um, with what happened with me in the past couple of years, which was, my ex had cancer. My dad was in intensive care for like a year. Even when he got out of hospital, he was riddled with this horrible illness. Mm -hmm. My mum was very ill uh, with a lot of physical problems. While she had that, we got a call that her husband had a week to live. So I had to fly back home and be with him for mm -hmm. his last week. He died at home. I had a lot of issues with work and sponsors and moving countries and just it was just one thing after another. Yeah. Just everything for me seemed to be going downhill fast. Um, but I never lost hope. Even though I was in pos possibly the darkest place of my life and I had multiple breakdowns. I rang my friends multiple times saying, I need you, man. I'm like, I'm losing my mind. Mm -hmm. um, I've got to give a, a shout out to my friend Kyle. He really, really helped me. There was one yeah. day where I was just like, I need help, mate. I need help. I'm not in a good place came straight to my house he brought his gaming chair his computer he stayed at, he stayed at mine for a few days and we just hung out and he said look mate don't think about anything just be with me let's be together let's mm -hmm. just be time is a great healer i know you hear this all the time but just believe in yourself believe in me that things will get better and i promise mm -hmm. they will um and that's one thing i want to tell people if you are going through something now anything now which is hard and you, you can't see the light at the end don't lose hope because that's the one thing you need to hold on to because things will get better and mm. that you, but at the same time you can't just sit around and wait for things to get better mm. you actually have to this is where the hardest part comes even though you know, 
you're in the lowest place of your life and you don't feel like doing anything. I mean, my beard was all over the place. I'd never cut my hair. Mm. I never showered. I couldn't, I was unmotivated to do anything. The thought of going to the gym was just not there. Yeah. I didn't want to eat well at all. I was, I was having ice cream for breakfast. I was depressed, fully depressed. Mm -hmm. So in that moment, you have to make the conscious decision to change your life and do something about it, which is so brutally hard in those moments. Mm -hmm. But if you can do that and make those first steps, like I say, get over that first hurdle, everything will just keep going up from there. So It's like ba baby steps gradually. Yeah. It, it's like if you can't do all of it, just do a little bit. Precisely. Like if you, like, for example, you said, obviously, you, d you stopped eating well, you didn't train or for anything. For example, if you were in this situation, if... It, Rather than going, oh, well, I need to eat right, I need to do this, I need to do this, start with a walk. Yeah, just do one little thing. Start with a good meal. Start with something that is, like we said before, stack some sort of win. You get one under your belt, then you can get two, then the next yeah. day you get three, and you just build up gradually, you know? If you've, if you've hit rock bottom, the only way you can go is up now. Yeah, you know what I mean? Absolutely. One, th one exercise I was doing when I was feeling a bit low was I gave myself a challenge to compliment five random people a day. Yeah. So I was just going on. through the town in the shop and I remember the first day I did, I thought I'm going to do this. I was so nervous. And I was like, what am I nervous for? I've been on stage with thousands of people doing talks and stuff. Yeah. I was so scared to give some random person a compliment. I don't know why. Um, but that just shows you um, the, the person I was in that time. I was just very weak and unconfident. And it, knocks you back, it knocks yeah, you back yeah, down, doesn't it? Yeah. But I went to Morrison's and there was this old woman. She must have been, I don't know, 70 74 I thought and in a basket was nothing but meat and veg and I just looked in the basket and I said oh I've just got to say that's the best looking basket I've seen in months look how healthy all your food is and she was so happy mm -hmm. she was like e oh thank you and she went oh I still cook myself I'm not doing bad for 95 I was like what hell. and I, I was actually shocked I went 95 and she went yeah 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 I was like honestly I thought you were like 70 if that like you look mm -hmm. amazing and she was so pleased and so happy and she grabbed my arm and she went, son, you've just made my whole week. And I got proper emotional. I thought, oh my God. I was like, okay, have a nice day. And I walked away like, okay, I feel better now. You know? But one little thing like that yeah. can literally flip your whole day upside down. So then from there, I was going up to people who, I remember I saw a transgender uh, person in the street and I just went up and I was like, hey, I love your outfit, epic. In mm -hmm. Instant smile. Yeah. Just a smile on their face. And I just thought, you know what it is? How nice is that? And um, so I did that. I did like five random people a day. And then same little things. Wake up, I'd make my bed. Yeah. Or one of my biggest things was I would eat and then just leave the plate. So I was like, okay, I'm going to eat then. Wash the plate and put it away. It would take an extra 30 seconds mm -hmm. of my time, but it was done. And yeah. just those tiny little things would add up and you know make you feel better. So I feel like, yeah, you have to consciously make an effort to make yourself feel better. Mm -hmm. But it is tough. Like I said, I never knew what depression was like until I had it. Mm -hmm. and it is a horrible thing but you can do things about it and I think the worst thing is you feel very isolated and very lonely but you also feel like a burden on everyone around you mm -hmm. you know when I was reaching out to certain people saying I need help I knew it was the right thing to do because people always say oh if you're feeling like this please reach out please mm -hmm. like they genuinely care about you but in those moments you just feel like you're bothering them yeah you you convince yourself you, you're annoying them or whatever it is I thought myself in that time, I didn't want to ring anybody because of those feelings and those yeah. thoughts, intrusive thoughts. I thought, you know, screw those thoughts. If my friend was feeling this way, I would want him to ring me. 
Mm-hmm. So I called a few, and it was the best thing I did. Honestly, it yeah. was it was truly the best thing I did. Well, that's when why it's that, well, that's why it's important that you have those people. Like I said, the the tribe, like most people's, most guys especially, their friendship circle circle is the people that they drink with. Yeah, it's never yeah, anyway. Yeah, well, yeah, especially here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like I've got a, I've got a best mate, and like if ever one of us is feeling shit, it's like come over, let's couch co-op Halo. Let's yeah, fucking man, just go right. shoot some aliens and some zombies and let's yeah. feel better. And it's like, right. if you've got a bro or, you know, if you're if you're a woman listening to this, you've got a, like, you know, your soul sister or whatever you want to call it, right? It's like, they are the people that you can call. You're never a burden for those people. Yeah. And you, if you have these friends, you need to make it clear to them that if they're ever in the situation, they are never a burden. Even if yeah, they've never, never suggested never. it, you Honestly. tell them that they're not a burden yeah. beforehand. Yeah. I find that's really helpful. I like to think of myself now as like anybody can come to me. L- literally anybody. I don't care friends, enemies, whatever. Like, yeah. I've, I just don't want to see anybody be or feel the way I was feeling. Yeah, it, it's just the worst. It is, and it's like. You know, even if you've had somebody who you don't like in your life, whether it's a work colleague or mm-hmm. at school or whatever, at the end of the day, like, we all make mistakes and yeah. we can all change. Um, I found that forgiveness is the most powerful tool in the world. So for me, there was a lot of people that I used to actually hate in Warburg, like mm-hmm. the, the town I grew up in because of my childhood. Um, I used to look at them in the street and just instantly have negative thoughts. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or this guy... As soon as I actually consciously stopped these thought processes and judging people from their past, mm. and I used then I would like switch that from, oh that guy was a fucking prick in school to think I would switch and think, oh, I wonder how he's doing now. Mm-hmm. Instantly, my whole mood and my whole mindset and everything was happier and better. Your perception is key, hundred yeah, percent. You know. So I'm I'm curious, where do you think you would be if you didn't train? If you didn't find training, <laughs> I'd be. In the creative field, one thousand percent. Whether producing music or I mean, I have a degree in photography. Um, yeah, I don't know something creative. What about what about mentally? Where do you think you would be? That's a very good question. I have no idea. Do you think you'd be in a happy place? Do you think you'd be in a similar place? The thing is, I, I know for certain I would need some release, like mm-hmm. a, a dopamine hit of some kind. So I don't know because the gym for me has, has always been that release. Like mm-hmm. every time I train and I'm in my happy place, I'm giving my body what it needs and yeah. eating. You know, um, yeah, I don't know. That's a brilliant question. I have absolutely no idea. Like I, re- I couldn't answer that. Like, have you ever thought? Have now. you ever thought about like, wow, my life would have turned out if I didn't do this or that? No, you just too focused on where you're going. Not even. I just go with the flow for everything in life. I try mm. not to overthink things, and I try not to plan too much. I feel like having super long-term plans are a disaster actually because mm. you set goals and expectations and if you don't hit those expectations and you feel terrible and you oh, I haven't done enough I haven't done this interesting but yeah. if you just like kind of roll with the flow and go with the flow and just roll with life but you know still try and create opportunities then you can never fail um but then then again failure is also a good thing if you can learn from it mm-hmm. and keep progressing but yeah I don't like to really set too many goals so like one of my exes, for example, she really set goals for every single thing constantly. Mm-hmm. And if it didn't turn out the way she wanted, she'd be like angry, depressed, miserable, all these things like, oh, it didn't work out the way I wanted it yeah, to. Yeah. And then there was me, happy-go-lucky with everything. Yeah. You still managed to be making things happen. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, like I've always just been a go-with-the-flow kind of guy, but I don't just sit back and hope things happen. I do try and actively make things happen. You try and direct the flow. Yeah, but <laughs> if, uh, if something doesn't work out, then it doesn't work out. I'll just mm. keep 
keep going you just yeah keep moving on and keep trying to create it's, it's it's hard with that because on one side like you said that if you set too high expectations and you don't meet them it's like then it kind of crushes yourself seeing you back to yeah. square one whereas if you set realistic ones but also put a strategy in place i think it's very much the other side of the coin is if you have a strategy in place it's like okay i'm going to be a bodybuilder it's like if you're not a bodybuilder within you know a year and a half or whatever you're not going to beat yourself up you're going to go well how far have i actually come in that year and a half what did I learn? What can I do better in order to push that further forward? So yeah. I think the review part is, is equally as important. Well, that's the best way to be. It's like, yeah. okay, you have to <laughs> analyze where you are and all these different things like that. I think where I'm saying with like don't set goals is, for example, like you saying, I need to have this podcast done by 9 p.m. on the dot tonight, mm-hmm. edited, fully uploaded. Then you're going to like, you're going to set limits on yourself. You know, I feel like uh, obviously have a, rough goal in mind in life and set obviously rough goals but don't have them like on the t everything because mm-hmm. then you're just gonna become a wreck yeah you've got to be a, you've <laughs> got to be a healthy balance yeah, of uh, yeah yeah, yeah. You, know, you got some you've got to give yourself some leeway you, most people for the most part most people are doing better than they think yeah. they are most people there's some people who could 100%. obviously do better but most 100%. people like like i do put a lot of pressure on the podcast and stuff and i'm like yeah. editing like editing reels tiktoks subtitles get this right camera angles everything like it's a lot of work and it's a lot of pressure and i say this on like most episodes now but it's like it's worth doing but i don't beat myself up if it doesn't get done but funnily enough it does get done because i had give myself some leeway so i don't stress about it but absolutely so in terms of um running up the the sort of first half of this what do you think um do you think it's been jarring to go from the quiet kid in school, you know, playing RuneScape and stuff, to all of a sudden this big internet personality in the spotlight. Was that ever jarring for you? I know you said it was quite an overnight thing, but... It's strange because I've had a quite a journey with this and I've had a quite a journey with my relationship with myself. So when I first started getting fame and big opportunities and money coming through and, you know, all these things you kind of you know, want, I guess, or desire as a kid, mm-hmm. I changed with that. I did. I put my hands up and say I do. I did yeah. change. I had a massive ego, but it was all internally. So I never actually used to show it. I never really used to walk around acting better than anybody, but I used to think it, which is very toxic. Mm-hmm. You know, I used to like, I used to judge a lot of people. I used to think like, if I saw a personal trainer in the gym that didn't know what they were doing, internally I'd be laughing at them and be like, oh, what an idiot. You know, I was a very judgy guy, but I kind of just came with this instant rise. And mm-hmm. I was still young. I was like 19, 20, you know, like, you know, had more balls than brains back then, you know, so. But now it's very strange because the way I see and feel myself is how other people see me is probably going to be completely different. Mm-hmm. I am still that kid. I still play RuneScape, you know. I still have my own insecurities and I still not only remember, but I still feel how I did when I was at school mm-hmm. um, or a lot of things, you know. Um, but most people, if they don't know me and they go to my Instagram, they're like, juice head bodybuilder who loves himself mm-hmm. so you know they couldn't be further from the truth of that you mm. know like well I've, I've actually seen you a few times in the past i saw you because um i still train at vision oh, yeah. as well so i'd seen you there years ago um i, I think i saw you once in five guys as well <laughs> i was like because i was i was sitting in the uh, the one of the motor center was opposite um there's like another italian's opposite right, yeah. and um i remember going that's a fucking big guy from instagram i was like i was like look look over there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so uh, but it uh, like it was like i'd obviously seen you lift and stuff and i you know it i never got that impression from me walking around you know yeah. some people you walk around the gym and, and they're just like they have this energy of like get it the fuck out my yeah, way like yeah, i'm yeah. going to this machine you know what i mean yeah. you never had that from from what i saw so yeah thanks i really appreciate that mate right. but, um, 
Yeah, no, I, I do get that a lot. I mean, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, I do get a lot of people um, commenting online saying behind my back, like you hear things and you know, friends will be like, oh, by the way, this guy said this. Where do you think that comes from though? Like people <sighs> hate on people who are successful. Do you think it's because it reminds people them that they're not? People for anything. Yes, true. Successful. I feel like it comes out more with people who are jealous, for example. Like that's a big one, you know. Um, but it just happens a lot. Like I say, go yeah. back to this whole football is my mentality. Me, if you're just wearing another club shirt, people will walk up to you and shout abuse at you on the street. Mm. They're just unhappy, mate. Yeah, It's as simple as that. The only times in my life I've done that was when I was unhappy. When I'm mm. in a mint mood, I wake up, everything's great. I could never go and judge somebody else. I could never go and be like, the, the, the. it's just, you're just unhappy. Yeah, And they, they look for any sort of reason to blame an external source other than themselves. So they, they can't accept that they're unhappy and yeah. they're miserable. And you know, they have to give a reason why. And if that's just some random guy in the gym who looks better than them, then fair enough. And I always say this, like, if I am the reason, you know, that if I'm the reason, what's the thing I'm trying to say? If, you're, if someone's really unhappy and then they're talking shit about me, mm-hmm. that's fine. They can they can do that as much as they want. If it makes them feel happier talking shit about me, then do it as much as you can. Be happier. Mm. I don't want anyone in this world to be that miserable. They have to talk shit about random people they don't know. Mm. Like if somebody punched their mum, fair enough. Talk all the shit about them you want. But if it's somebody you've never even spoke to or met, yeah, then who gives you the right? But here's a really nice story, actually. And it is, it's actually, it's a bit of a sweet story. This one guy, I, ne- I don't know his name, it was down in Birmingham. He didn't like me <laughs> at all. But he never spoke to me. He never met me. He mm. only saw me in the gym. And it was quite obvious he was laughing about me, he was pointing at me, and he was talking to his mates and stuff. And um, I was just like, wow. Like, I was in a good mood. And you can feel when people- The energy of me, yeah, yeah. I'm going to ignore it, whatever. I carried on training. And at the end, he sat at the bar at the gym having a shake, and I wanted a shake. So I had this uncomfortable feeling that I was going to have to sit next to him. So I was like, mm, okay, yeah. Do I engage in conversation? He was clearly talking shit about me. And as he looked at me, he kind of like looked at me, like giving this like, every uh, mm. type of thing. So I just went, hey, what's your, what's your name, mate? I'm Zach. Nice to meet you. And he was just a bit like stunned. He was like, uh, what was it? Dave. Mm. Dave. And then we just started talking. And I was like, I'm, I can't help but notice that you were talking about me in the gym. I'm just curious why, mate. Like, I'm not having a go. I'm just genu- genuinely curious. Mm-hmm. And we started talking for maybe two minutes. And then after th- about maybe three minutes of talking, he just put his hand up and said, mate, I'm very sorry for how I was I was acting. I was mm. judging you. I am in a bad mood. My mum's not very well. And I'm, I am a dick. I'm being a dick. And I had so much respect for that, for this guy saying he was just being an arsehole. And he mm. was like blaming it on anything he could. I was like, mate, you know what it is? Fucking love you, man. And we had a massive hug. And I was like, we should train sometime. We trained a few times and everything was great. Yeah. You know, I haven't spoken since, um, but this is when I was living down south. But, you know, it, that started out as somebody being very judgmental, having a lot of hate in their heart mm-hmm. and putting it on something else. And in that instance, it was me. To then talking to that guy he hated it, for no reason, being like, oh, maybe it is just me, but accepting it. And then, mm. if you, like I said, if you can accept that it's you, you will change. You will get better. You will not be that miserable anymore. Yeah. And I feel like people who are negative and who have hate in their hearts or whatever it is that's keeping them in this way, they will look for any excuse in the world to say it's mm-hmm. not them. 
But if yeah. as soon as you can recognize it is you and you're just miserable, for whatever reason it is, and if you can accept that and say, okay, it is me, let me change that, you will be happier yeah. every way. It's a responsibility. Take the responsibility on yourself to change or to do something more, to change your mindset and stuff. But like you said, everyone just wants to blame externally. Yeah. If they don't want to change, they won't. Yeah. You can't change somebody. Like you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make a drink. <laughs> like I, one of the things that yeah. annoys me is like people, like I've, I get comments because I've made videos on YouTube and stuff like to eight years or something like that now. Like, and I've had people message being like, oh, help me with this. How do I do this? Da, da, da. And one of the most common ones is um, either people's partners or people's best friends that they're closest to. How do I make them do this? Or how do I get them to see this? And it's like, or you can't. Like if they ask you for advice, give the advice. Offer them help but don't demand that they take yeah. your help because it's just, it's not going to work. All they're going to feel is pressure and they're going to back away from you. Yeah. Leave the option open. 100%. Like DMs open, you know, you can, you can message me anytime you can message, you know, yeah. it's just, it's one of those things that they have to, you have to let people in their own time. You can't force it because all it's going to do is push them back into their shell yeah. a bit more. I find that's like how it is with like these extreme religious people in America. Like they're trying to force a religion on, on you. If mm-hmm. not religious. They're not like saying, oh, we're here if you need it. You know, because I'm a man who's recently found faith and I, I love it. It's changed my life mm-hmm. in so many wonderful ways. But I'm not going to sit here and be like, you must go to church. And, you you know, will like, suffer eternal damnation yeah, if you don't, like, yeah. You get those people who are yeah, like, you do. Proper, yeah. like, you know, if I go, oh, Jesus, like, don't say the Lord's name in vain. And yeah, you're yeah. going to burn in hell. For all, like, they're really extreme with it. And all they're doing by that is instead of like trying to, you know, educate you on what their their religion is, mm. they're making you never want to go near that place again. Yeah. It's like me, I don't go around going to people who are slightly out of shape, like, you need to go to the gym. Yeah. You are ashamed. Do some <laughs> bicep curls, bitch, you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 yeah, but you're absolutely right. You know, people who, if they want change, offer their, your services, your help, mm-hmm. and your, your advice, your support. If they don't want it, you can't force it on them. 100%. Yeah, yeah. yeah definitely. So, um, one of the things that I, I want to get um, your opinion on, obviously you're big on men's mental health. You love yep, talking about awesome. mental health and stuff. And I, I was looking through, like, um, there's loads of books like this. There's a great one called Dataclism, which shows our online lives and stuff like that, which is really good. And some of the stats I pulled up were really shocking, and I'd love to get your opinion on this. So sure. um, this is long-winded, guys, so, so settle in. So if you connect some of the dots, you can see that there's clearly an issue. So the highest suicide rates for men are between the ages of 45 and 55, roughly, right? which is also the average age men get divorced, which is strange, right? But also then I was like, yeah, I can see how that will go hand in hand, you know, relationship breakdown, you know, you, when you're in a long-term relationship, your testosterone automatically lowers anyway. Um, but then another interesting one is that around 70% of divorces are actually initiated by women. I was like, that's strange. So what does all this say about men? Because it looks like there's some sort of spiral that men seem to in the modern age be going down. They get into a certain age, they're more miserable. Maybe they're even more out of shape. I don't know. But for the most part, it's like there's an age where men are really starting to suffer. Yeah. And there's multiple factors involved. Obviously, you know, I want to know in your personal opinion, what could these men who are going through, say they're, say they're this age, right? Say they're 45, 55, maybe even go push it back down to 35. What is good for men's mental health in your own opinion? And, and how can that relate to, say, relationships that you've been in yourself and that you could give advice to other, other men? From what I personally see, I'm just going to talk about the UK because mm-hmm. that's where we are. Here yeah, right do, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what I see with that age group around here is they, they become very comfortable with the same things mm-hmm. and they do the same thing. So they'll, they'll go to work, they'll come home, they'll put their feet up, they'll watch the same programs, they'll drink the same beer, they'll have one or two beers in the nighttime and they're, very, they're not very but more antisocial. 
to very uh, enclosed in their own life and they just do their own thing. They're quite, yeah. I'm not going to say selfish, but you know, they're, they're far away from the, the active 20 year old who's happy to do anything Yeah. Uh, for the partner, for the family, whatever it is. They just want to be left alone. They want to have the quiet time and watch the football. And ultimately you're, from what I see, like I said, this is not everybody. Please don't scold me for this. Yeah, it's on average. Yeah. yeah. Um, they're separating themselves further and further from others. Um, and that's just, you know, a trending pattern I'm seeing, especially with like my dad's friends and the people of that age. I just mm -hmm. see it more and more. Like every time I go to the house, I can tell you where they're sat. They're in the yeah. same seat. Yeah. <laughs> they, I can tell you what they're drinking. They've got a tea, they've got a, a, a tin of Foster's or whatever it is. You know, but I think what keeps a, a good relationship going is when you first met your wife or your girlfriend or boyfriend or husband, whatever it is, the difference between you guys then for the first month, the first six months, first year versus how you are now after 10 years is dramatically different. Mm -hmm. And that spark isn't quite there anymore. Um, once again, we have instant fingertip access to everything. Porn, you know, movies, TV, food, alcohol. Mm -hmm. If someone wanted drugs delivered to the house, they could just text somebody instantly, it'll come. So yeah. having all of these things instantly accessible too will distance yourself from a lot of things. Um, and I feel like as well, you know, just your work environment can affect you a lot. Your mm -hmm. relationship with friends can affect you a lot. If you're coming home from work with negative energy and you're bringing that negative energy home. So let's just say, for example, I work, I'm 46. I work a job I'm not very happy with. My boss has been screaming at me all day. I take that home and I unload all that to my wife. And that's constant. She, at the end of the day, was going to get sick of that. And she just yeah. wants to find somebody who's positive, who's happy, who's who's going to go and take her out, who's going to go and go for walks. Mm -hmm. Not fancy meals and Prada bags and stuff. Like, just somebody who's not going to be sat whinging about everything. Yeah. And I find that most most men, from my own experience, between 40 and 50, whinge about everything. Oh, yeah. They just I love agree. to whinge. They sit and watch the news. Oh, Palestine's this and da, 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 da. Obviously, what's happening in the world isn't great, but complain about it all day yeah. and they come home from work they complain about work they have a bad round of golf they complain about golf you know and that goes back to that person being unhappy and if they can recognize that they're unhappy mm -hmm. and they might be affecting those around them and they can change that everything will get better yeah but the problem with most people that age they're so fucking stubborn <laughs> they won't yeah they yeah. will never accept that it's them they will blame everybody around them until yeah. it's too late they blame and blame and blame those people they love will leave and then after they've left they might sit and reflect and think ah it might have been partially me mm -hmm. you know and then they'll go back and try and fix things when it's already too late mm -hmm. um, well there is a, there is a i think personally there is a lot of responsibility men need to take in relationships and i think mod, like modern day relationships it's kind of taking a back seat and i always say if you continue to try and date your partner yeah like you would at the start Definitely. that's a good starting point to keep trying to date like don't get complacent don't get lazy don't fall into you know bad habits or whatever but i think in general like you both need a hobby for your mental health 100%. whether you and you both i think need to train like i know oh, obviously mate, i think as well doing things together like that is yeah, yeah, yeah. you know like you know, my girlfriend now, we go to the gym together. And she never went to the gym before meeting me. I mean, she, she did, but, like, maybe just, like, on the treadmill or something. She mm -hmm. hadn't touched weights. And since she met me, she was like, can I come to the gym with you? Because I never once asked her if she would come to the gym with me. Yeah, That's, like, yeah. the last thing I want to do is, you know, someone meets me. I'm like, right, you must go to the gym now. I'm not about that. But she mm -hmm. wanted to. She loves it. And she, every day she comes home from work now, she's like, are we going to the gym tonight? 
Like, yeah, of course. Yeah. But like, even if I've trained already in that day, I'll still go again just to be there with her. Mm-hmm. And I'll not train myself, but I'm like, just with her. But you see, that's the level of effort most people, like the fact that you would yeah. go twice says a lot about you yeah, as a man. I don't just yeah. sit at home like, oh no, I'm watching the game. I'll see you when you get back. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's one of those things. So as well, like, imagine if your wife came up to you and said, um, Danny, do you want to go to the movies? And like, nah, there's nothing good on. But she really wanted to see a movie. She's instantly going to walk away with him, like, okay, well, you know. Yeah. But then you come home, and you're like, oh, Susie, do you want to come to the football game? It's, it's look, I've got these tickets, I can't believe it. And she's like, nah, I'm not going to that shit game. It's the same feeling. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to put in mutual effort. Um, and I find as well, like, you know, I I'm, can talk from experience because I yeah. used to be like this with my ex. She would want to do a lot of things, and I would always say no to it. Not in a ni- nasty way. No, fuck off. I was like, nah, it's not really my thing. Yeah. I was trying to be nice about it, but I was still disappointing her. The times I did say yes, I ended up having a good time anyway. Yeah, you know. So I think it's just that comfort thing again. Like, yeah, I feel you like gotta have a balance. Too comfortable yeah. at home. They don't want to do anything, and ultimately, like you just. You're living the same day yeah, every this, single it's day. It's like Groundhog Day relationships. That's isn't what it, it yeah. is. I, feel, yeah. I truly feel like that's what it is. People are just living the same single, the same day every single day, and after ten years of it, one of you is just going to get sick of it. Yeah. Like, well, well, the average relationship is eleven point nine years, I think it is, something like that. But it's funny because one of the things that I, I, I love hearing about is is men's testosterone, and it doesn't get talked about enough. Yeah, this is a big one actually. So it's like, the obviously after. A certain age, men's testosterone naturally drops off, which is obviously around that sort of the, the, the mid to late forties age, right? But funny enough, now younger people are reporting less and less testosterone levels. Like yeah. we have less testosterone than our grandfathers did. Do you know why? Multiple reasons, but what reason would you say? It's mainly what we're consuming. Yeah, I was going to say food. Ninety percent of it is. It's it's tap weird water. foods. Yeah, it's everything. Well, the plastics and tap water apparently. Not, not, uh, not just yeah. plastics, mate. It's unbelievable. If you actually research what's in our very healthy Northumberland tap water. <laughs> You'd be shocked. Yeah. Shocked. It's unbelievable. I used to drink tap water all out my whole life. I'd have Robinson's tap water. Bit <laughs> of cordial, yeah. Until I started actually looking into it. And, you know, I actually had a friend who worked uh, for Northumberland Water and he said, mm-hmm. mate, stay away from it. Then I started really going down the rabbit hole of why. Just on tap water, I spent weeks researching it and I, made, I would never touch it again. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, everything that we're consuming is. I'm not going to say designed to lower our testosterone, but it is lowering our natural testosterone. Yeah, it is. It, um, you know, and but the testosterone is what makes effort feel good. It what's, yes. It's what gives men a drive. And when you lower that, that's why you're getting all these depressed men, these antisocial men, the and men who don't want to do anything. Focus, yeah, yeah, it's literally relies... Like, women's hormones, I think, I talked about a lot. Yeah, Men's hormones, completely ignored, for the most part, right? You hear yeah. briefly, you know, TRT or whatever is yeah. sort of coming into the limelight now. And, and I'm excited for when my testosterone drops and start getting injections in my ass of TRT. And I'm like, yeah, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be bench pressing fucking, you know, six plates aside or whatever. You know what I mean? I'll be, I'll be, sure. yeah, well, <laughs> fingers crossed. But uh, it's like, it, it is a massive thing. And I think men need to be, men listening especially, need to be more aware of their testosterone levels. Like, if you are feeling depressed, weak, like you haven't got much drive, get it checked. Yes. You know, or at least if it, well, if you're not even lifting and you're not eating right, if, if you're eating right, sorry, and you're lifting and you still feel a bit wrong, get it checked. But there's so much you can do by having a simple blood test. Yeah. There's so much you can change. You know, if you've got like deficiencies of a certain thing and you fix it, you'll be shocked at how much you feel better. But test is huge. And um, if you've got low testosterone levels, you'll know about it. Um, but if you're used to having low testosterone, lo- testosterone levels and you feel normal, 
and then suddenly mm. your testosterone levels increase. You were super, you've got superpowers. You're a god. You feel unbelievable. You're untouchable. Yeah. Like I can hear colors as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it's it's very true. Our diets now are shocking, shocking compared mm. to how they used to be back in the day. We're getting cancers. We're getting diseases. We're getting a lot of inflammation, inflammation-related diseases, and mm. it's all because of what we're eating. But as well with that is uh, uh, reduced testosterone. I'm not going to say the company names, but there's some fast food companies out there that have estrogen in their meats. Um, like I said, there's most things we're eating now are chemically changed. Mm-hmm. Back to the oils. If you look at how these oils are produced, sunflower, rapeseed, you know, whatever, um, seed oils, you will run from the hills if you actually like look into it and never have it again. That's another thing that's fucking your body up. Mm-hmm. Simple changes to your diet will make significant changes to your body. Yeah, agreed. seriously. So you can still eat the same things, but just minor changes. Mm-hmm. Like if I gave you a steak, and one was cooking sunflower oil, and one was cooking olive oil, I don't think you could really tell me the difference. You know, because at the end of the day, the steak is a steak, and it's mm-hmm. seasoned and everything. But what you've cooked it in is making a huge difference to your yeah. internal uh, system. Um. But yeah, no, diet can make a dramatic change. And the thing is as well, going back to the, the masking with tablets, so most people will, you know, they'll they'll go and say if they're lacking in vitamin C, they'll go and buy these vitamin C um, dissolvable tablets. Mm-hmm. Do you know what's in those dissolvable tablets? There's like 100 ingredients mm. of bulking agents and all sorts of shit to make it fizzy and flavorful and yummy and sugars. Sugars the worst thing you can put in your body. Like mm. it's uh, one of them anyway. But next to it is pure 100% vitamin C tablet. But people are choosing the nice, tasty, yummy, dissolvable ones mm-hmm. because it's it's nice and it's not yeah. a pill to swallow. But that's not going to do anything. It's actually going to make it worse. And then they'll go, well, it was cheaper. And it's like, oh. yeah, But, you know, I think if people can be educated more on the diet and what they're putting in the body and actually go ahead and go with it for a bit, you're going to see weight loss, muscle uh, increase, Stamina increase, endurance, happiness, focus, yeah, rest. Everything will get better, you know. And um, yeah, hair growth. I think I'm past around. that point of hair growth. Yeah, yeah <laughs> but you know what I mean. Like your beard will be thicker, man. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, your your dick will be working better. Just everything, yeah. man. Like straight up, you know, what we're putting in our body is essentially what's fueling our, our whole life. Mm-hmm. Not just physical strength, mental focus. Like I say, people who have sleep issues and insomnia will be because of the diet. Mm-hmm, yeah. So they'll go out and buy tablets to help them sleep, but they're not fixing the root issue. Yeah. You know? um, I agree. It can all be fixed through lifestyle change. It can. Yeah. But like I said, we've, we've become these people now where if you compare yourself now to your grandfather, the, the difference in your lifestyle versus his is dramatic. Yeah. And it is dramatic. You know, he doesn't have a fancy iPhone and he doesn't spending all day scrolling like this. Mm, taking in that much information yeah when he he goes out for meal he's engaging in full meaningful deep detailed conversations he's not leaving the shortcuts like if my friends were saying oh i went to london i saw my family and i came home it was great he would be like oh well so we stopped off at the station when we got a Mm. coffee and it was fantastic and why we're having that coffee is you know you're engaged with life yeah so there's huge differences in how we act and our grandparents act and if you could take a little bit from their book and apply it to yourself especially with their diet, my grandparents always ate very clean foods. Mm-hmm. Always. I never saw... When was the last time you saw an old person eat a Twix? 
I don't spot enough people, I mean, but yeah, I know what you mean. mean. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, well, yeah, yeah. You see them like where there's originals and stuff. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You yeah. Know what I mean, like you'll you'll walk along the, the, the no one's vaping, no one's doing all this stupid mm. shit and eating proper junk food. They eat what? Wait, I want to play a little game. What would you say a typical meal for your grandparents would be? I want to see if it's the oh same. Oh God, um, very small portions. To be yeah. fair, um, like the food itself. What would a typical meal in the household be? <laughs> for for my grandparents, it was always. Um, for some reason, I always remember this. It was always a fuckload of peas. I don't know why. It was right, just a fuckload yeah. of peas, and it was like some time. sort of carbohydrate, like like it was either, it was either like a jagged potato thing. Um, yes, I was going to say meat and two veg. Yeah, yeah, basically, was, yeah, yeah, basically, it was very food. simple. Yeah, yeah, basic, simple food. You know, and that's why they they're healthy, they're they're, they're good, they're strong. Like my grandfather, he was uh, he was a professional gardener, and he retired when he was like seventy seven. And mate, that guy put in graft, yeah. 70 odd. I know people now in their 30s as strong as me who couldn't do that. I mean, he used to take me with him when I was like in my early 20s to help him out sometimes. Garden's hard graft, it's fucking, <laughs> my, well, our dad's a gardener as well, yeah. yeah but then we'd go out for, for a meal and he would go home and he would have boiled potatoes with like lamb and some veg. And I remember eating the Greggs and that's mm. the difference, you know, yeah. so like. It's funny that you're saying, like, as time's going on, men's testosterone levels are dropping and dropping. It's because of what we're eating. We're, we're, yep. right. we're lazy fucks. Stop being lazy. Don't go to fast food places. Don't go to Greg's. Put some fucking effort into your food. Do something about your exercise and s- just do something. Because mm. ultimately, I'm being really polite here and be like, oh, yeah, everyone's like, just get a grip. If, you, yeah. if you're sat at home complaining that you're weak, you're tired, you're unmotivated, you're not doing anything, get the fuck up. Change your diet, do something about it, because ultimately, at the end of the day, nobody else cares. Only you can fix this. Mm-hmm. If you're going around with everybody saying, I'm unhappy, I'm not feeling good and all this, people will constantly give you advice. They will support you. They'll say, I'm here for you. You know, They will tell you what to do, but only you can do it. Yeah. And I am sick of people complaining that they're unhappy with their physical bodies, with their mental states, when the answers are out there. Yeah. You know, I, I say as well, like with my coaching, you know, typically I charge £150 a month. With that, you have my WhatsApp. You have access to me 24 hours, well, except when I'm asleep. Yeah. If I'm awake, you can text me. You can voice message me. You can send yeah. me updates. If you have any questions, I'm there. With all this knowledge, I'm providing you all of the answers on how to change your body, your lifestyle, to get you fitter, stronger, healthier, happier, sleep better, relationships better. Mm-hmm. You're more motivated for the gym, more wo- motivated for life, for work. Whatever it is, I'm there for you. And people are like, oh, £150 for a month, that's ridiculous. If you think about it, that's less than a pint a day. Yeah, It's you an investment to, as well at the end of the day. You go out and have a pint every single day, which adds up to way more than 150 quid a month in most of these places now. But you can't spend a little bit on a, a coach or an educator or anything uh, to improve your life. Mm. I have multiple times in my life, I've paid good money for gurus, coaches, people who are really knowledgeable mm. and I trust they have excelled me to places now where I wouldn't have been without. Yeah, And it's just like, like I'm not coming on here to promote myself. If you know somebody near you, whether it's a gym, 20 pound a month, or whether it's a nutritionist or anything that can help you um, actually grow, mm-hmm. give it a go. But you have to put in the effort. Otherwise, yes, you are wasting your money. Mm-hmm. Because I see yeah. people all the time say, oh yeah, I had a coach, but it didn't work for me. No, you didn't work for you. You were the lazy one that didn't work. I've seen this with exes, for example. They ha- they hired a coach because I wasn't good enough, apparently, because, you know, 
it's like one of those things you don't listen to your parents. Yeah, you don't listen to yeah, yeah. I understood that. So yeah, I, I that. recommended a coach. They wouldn't do any of it. They sent them the plans and then they just did their own thing. And I'm like sat there like you just paid two hundred pounds for what? Yeah, you know, people are just throwing money at their problems <laughs> and it doesn't work that way. You've got yeah. to do it. And and most most of the time when you pay when you pay money you pay attention. Yeah. And I think the the more you pay the more you invest the more likely you are going to do it. Like twenty pound nothing. Yeah, right? or one hundred fifty pound coaching with accountability. You still get it. Like I had a guy signed up two days ago. Mm-hmm. Two days ago, I know him. He's a PJ Pro golfer. Uh, he wants to lose weight. And I, I text him. I said, hey, mate, I'm super excited to work with you. I've got a full plan set up for you. I I can guarantee you will lose one stone in a week. Because like yeah. he's a big liar. And he will lose a stone in a week if he follows this. I'm positive. So day one, he's super motivated. He's got all his meals prepped. He's sending me pictures. I'm voice messaging back and forth. And um, day two, send me his weight in the morning. He dropped two pounds. Great. Day three, he dropped another three pounds. Min. Day four, no uh, update in the morning. Mm. So I waited. I thought, oh, okay, I'll wait a few hours. It's 11 a.m. I'm like, he's definitely awake now. No update. 1 a.m. 1 p.m., sorry. I'm like, have you sent me updates? What was your wait this morning? Oh, sorry, mate, I forgot. And then at the end of the day, no more updates. So I'm like, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. So I text him again. Hey, how, how was today? How was your food? Just checking in on you. Just being supportive. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I forgot to have two meals. My good job got in the way. And I was like, mate, like, realistically, if you're prepping meals, it takes two minutes to eat it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not having a go at you. I'm not attacking you, but it's for you. It's, yeah. This is for you. The next day, bang on in the morning, wait again, meals prepped again. And I think it's just those little things. Like, it is a difficult thing. And I'm having to go at people for being lazy and stuff because ultimately that's what it is. Yeah, I'm fucking lazy a lot of the time. And I always tell myself off. But having that support around you and somebody to lift you up is crucial. Yeah. So it's accountability. They hold you to what you said you would do. Yeah, massive. But most coaches now, for example, will send you a plan and say, check in with me every Friday. Like these slimming wheels do my head. Oh, God. You know, people, people pay good money. Yeah, yeah. They go, they train, and they're, they're basically paying to be made to, to be told they're doing a good job. They'll lose two pounds in a week, which is nothing. Like if I go to the toilet, I'll lose that, you know. <laughs> um, they'll, they'll train hardcore for a week of the slimming wheel and stuff, but the, the, the results aren't showing, but they're mm. feeling great because they're being told by these professionals, you're doing such a good job. They're being sold feelings, not yeah, results. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just, It really upsets me, actually. Um, but no, I think support is the biggest thing. Yeah. You could have all the answers, but if you don't have that support and that, that person who's like lifting you up and saying, come on, I've got your back. Yeah. Don't give up. you got this. Then ultimately, they, that person will quit. So I've had coaches in the past when I was younger where they would send me all of the plans, like all the nutrition, the diet, the training, you know, um, everything I need to, yeah. to build this physique. But they lacked the communication between. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would speak to them maybe once a week. And when I did, it was like, hey, this is how I look. This is what I've been doing. I'd send them a full report and they were just like, okay, good, continue. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, That's not what I paid you for. Yeah, yeah, yeah well, yeah. you know. The thing is, you can, you can go yeah. on Google and get a diet plan. That's exactly right. Anyone on this uh, podcast listening can go and research what they need for their body. Um, you know, if you just type in, uh, in fact, I'll tell you, how to naturally raise your testosterone levels, how to naturally burn fat, how to build muscle, you know, um, tips and tricks for diet uh, to make my body alkaline, how to reduce inflammation in my body. Research these things and really research them. Mm-hmm. And if you can apply these um, lessons you'll see online, you will be happier, stronger, healthier. Agreed. But having somebody there to support you through that and say, come on, mate, 
pull your finger out a little bit and give a little bit more effort, I've got you. And you know, mm-hmm. then that makes a huge difference. Yeah. A huge difference. 100%. You need someone over your shoulder, like uh, the devil on your shoulder, you know what I mean? It's telling the same you. for the gym. Like if you have a spotter, what is a spotter? It's just somebody who, who stands there and waits for you to nearly die and saves <laughs> you. Like say with a bench press and you're, you're about to fail and then they grab it and stop you like from hurting yourself. Choking yourself out. Or is a, a good spotter somebody who pushes you to do more? more than you wouldn't by yourself. Mm-hmm. So if we train together and you did 10 reps and I see that you've got five more, I'm going to make you do five more. Yeah. Even if you're like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm done. I will make you do five more. And then after those five, you're like, yeah, thanks, bro. I needed that. Yeah. You know, that's a good spot. You, yeah, you yeah. lift each other up and encourage each other to do more. Yeah. Because ultimately, that's what you're there for. Yeah. My old trainer used to do that. Used to, we used to do, uh, we used to finish off at more sessions with planks. And uh, he always had a clear body. He was always marking everything down. And he used to, um, did you train at the the old Vision Gym where it was like a shitty little warehouse one? Uh, next to the Metro Center. Yeah, and it was like next to the fire station. It was just down from there. It was like a little a little one. It wasn't the big one that it is no, now. It wasn't but the big one. No, nah, the, the little one, it was like this freezing cold little shed, basically. Right. It was uh, it was tiny. But my trainer there, used to, we were sat like near the, the row machines and stuff. And he would hold a, his pen from his clipboard underneath my stomach while I was doing planks. He's like, I know you can hold out for 30 more seconds. Yeah. I'm like, ah, I'm dying. And he's like, no, I'm not moving this pen. You, you fall. Yeah. You're going to fall on this fucking pen. I'd like to think he would move the pen. Yeah, course, but that yeah. mental image of just me impaling myself on a pen, it really made us do it. And you know what? I got abs from it. I was going to say, but did you feel better for it after those 30 seconds? Like, yeah. Were you happy that he did that? Yeah, I was. Yeah. That gra- that's what I paid him for. Yeah, that's what I wanted someone. Yeah. It was, yeah. oh, you tried your best. I can get that from my parents, man. You exactly. tried your best. I, I, if I'm going to pay a coach or a mentor or someone, I want them to be hard as fuck with me because that, that's what most people need. I always tell people because I get so many questions like from every country. People saying, how long should I train? How many sets should I do? How many reps should I do? I always say, all you need to do is work as hard as you can until when you leave the gym, you're satisfied. Yeah. If you're not satisfied when you leave, get back in. Yeah. Or try again the next day. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, we've all had those days. Don't get me wrong when we leave. I'm like, oh, I could have done more. But you might be physically drained. You might not have enough sleep. And we, I get it. We all live lives. Not every day is going to be perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go home, understand and acknowledge that you could have done more. Learn from that. Go back in the next day and change it. Yeah. You know, so... Yeah, I, I always just say, like, don't set too many goals. Because if you go into the numbers of training, like, I need to do this many sets, this many reps. There's a dramatic difference between diet and uh, training for in, in terms of, like, hitting the nail on the head. Mm-hmm. So with dieting, it is very scientific, very mathematical. You know, you can actually... Yeah, there is a science to losing yeah, weight, yeah, yeah. put your diet down to the gram if need be. With training, however, it's a little bit more difficult. So a lot of the times my clients, I actually get them to FaceTime me when they're training. And I'll That's see cool. how they're lifting. I'll see their form. I'll see how much they're pushing themselves on machines. So like, say you're on a chest press machine. You can't, mm-hmm. you know, you can't essentially kill yourself on that. Like if you're doing a flat bench press, free weight, you have to re-rack it at some point. Mm-hmm. If you get stuck, then you, you know, that's not... Yeah. But with machines, you can really push yourself to your limits. So I like to see how far their limits are and then say, okay, mate, you've got five more on you. And then they do five more. Oh my God, I didn't realize I could do that. Yeah. Um, so when I say with people with training is just push yourself as far as possible until you really feel it, until it's like unbearably painful. Yeah, yeah. Leave the gym feeling super satisfied. If you're like, wow, I crushed it a day. If you have that feeling, that's all you need. Yeah. Go home, recover, put your feet up, play some video games, eat your food, get your nutrition in, rest, great. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like I say, if you go to the gym, you do a little bit here, you talk for the most of the session, you scroll in on between sets and you leave the gym like, nah, that was all right, then... That's what you need to change. Better off doing 40 minutes of intense work than an hour and a half of bullshit, really. I don't think I've trained longer than 45 minutes in the past five years. Yeah, yeah.
and it's funny actually. I've had I've got a lot of stories about this because people like my dad's age and stuff like because I still I see my dad a lot. I see my mum a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm always visiting them, and I see their friends a lot. And for those who um, don't fully know me, they'll say, "Oh, how long are you in the gym for?" I say, "Oh, maybe half an hour, forty-five minutes." I'm like, what? Well, I could do that. So then I say, "Okay, then come and do it with me." And I've had people come and do it with me, mm-hmm. and after two minutes, they're like, "Yeah, I'm done." Yeah, I'm done. I'm, I'm very <laughs> take back everything I said. You know, and it's really yeah. funny. Um, I think the best one I had was a a young lad. He was a rugby player, cocky as anything, mm. super arrogant, 16, 17 years old. And his he gets it from his his parents. His parents are a little bit, you know, like the middle upper class who think they're better than everybody, you know. And you were about to show him that he wasn't. Well, he, <laughs> it was his mum's fault. His mum set him up, and he was like, "Oh, he's he's the hardest worker on the on the rugby pitch. No one can keep up with him. He's the strongest. He's this and this." I was like, "Oh." I'm like, oh, great. Like, yeah. Cool. He sounds like a beast. And then she'll say, oh, well, wh- you know, because she's a family friend. Uh, and uh, she was like, oh, would it be okay if he came to the gym with you? And I was like, well, you know, part of me is thinking, like, mm, I don't think that's a good idea. But the other half of me is like, yeah, of course, like being p- polite and nice. But then he's like, yeah, I can keep up with you no matter what it is. I was like, are you sure? Bring it. <laughs> And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, well, I'm training legs tomorrow if you want to join me. He's like, yeah, yeah, easy. Like, easy. I was like, mate, after five minutes, he'd be crippled. He's like, nah, nah, I'll, it'll be easy. That Anyway, went to the gym. Went to Evolution Gym, Bedlinton. Great gym. And um, started on uh, pendulum squats. You know, so it's like a machine where you have your back against like a, a flat pad, hold on to the bar, and you, you squat down in like a pendulum motion. Mm-hmm. Really hard machine. After, I mean, I will give him credit. He did everything I said till the point where I had to literally pull him back up because his legs were, couldn't move. Fuck. After 10 minutes, he was nearly, he was white. He couldn't, like, he was yeah. spewing, you know. Um, but he did the full session because I made him. I was like, you know what it is? You're going to be cocky with me and arrogant in front of my family. I'm not going to be nice and say, you're done. You're going to keep going. He was ruined, man. It's I mean, just the fact that you took him for leg day as yeah, well, which is even funny. Like, oh, so we only did yeah. half an hour, literally yeah. 30 minutes. We did pendulum squats, uh, hack squats straight after that, and then in, uh, quad extensions and hamstring curls. That's it. Four exercises, but extremely intense. Mm-hmm. Drop sets, fucking um, negatives, everything till failure. Every mm-hmm. single set till failure. I mean, I was fucked. It was a great, great workout. I loved it. But he couldn't walk for a week. <laughs> he couldn't go to school. His <laughs> mum his, his rang my mum saying that he's, he's in bed. He couldn't go to sixth form. He was... Really bad shape. It took him a week to recover. And then I seen him. Hell. I seen him out in a restaurant. So I went out for some food, and he was sitting there with his family. And uh, he came up to me, and he just went, "I'm sorry." Because uh, <laughs> he, he wasn't the smartest guy. Bless him. He said, "I'm sorry. I said I could keep up or something." And anyway, yeah, yeah. I could see his dad was like proper wiping his eyes, laughing at the table. But um, I've got one more story about that. So this is my all-time favorite story. Um, because it was actually just, I was in the Netherlands at Gold's Gym mm-hmm. in a place called Newhine, uh with my best mate Nick, who's he's a beast, big big guy, Nick Van Drey. I don't know if you could like find a picture of him or something, but he's yeah, still one of them. Um, and a a client of mine called Sylvester, young guy, really energetic, really hyper, like mm-hmm. he loves the gym. Every, he's super super enthusiastic about training, and he trained hard, like he did. I like, give him. All this was credit when he yeah. every every time he came and trained with us, he pushed himself to his limit. Until one day, me and Nick were in there to train legs, and he just rocked up. 
uh, I don't think he was supposed to be training with me that day, but he trained them anyway. And he was like, mm. oh, can I jump in and train legs with you? I was like, oh, no, man, not today. Like, we're, we're going hard today. He's like, oh, yeah, no, I'll keep up. I'll do what you guys do. Mm. And me and Nick kind of like look at each other and think, like, should we fuck him up? <laughs> and Nick's like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay. And I warned him, though, because I'm not a dick. I was like, if you want to train with us, mate, you're going to be ill. Like, mm-hmm. if you do what we do, and like, because he's young, you know, like, yeah. I said, you're going to be fucked, mate. Like, really, really fucked. He said, no, 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 I want to. I really want to. Like, make me puke. I'm like, okay, that's the green light. So we started on hack squats, mm-hmm. just hack squats. And I went first, and I'm like, Nick, you know, because I'm not going to be the guy who does like 10 reps and make him do 30. I was like, Nick, you have to kill me today. Like, <laughs> even if I say stop, make me do more. Right. She's like, yeah, sure, mate. I was like, yeah, but you have to do the same. Because if mm-hmm. we're going to do this to him, it's only fair if we do this to ourselves. Like, yeah, yeah. Just, so anyway, so I start, and my warm-up set was like 30 reps on the hack squat, which was, I mean, it was enough to make my legs burn. Like, yeah, burn, yeah, yeah. But still fine. It was a warm-up set. Nick did 30, 35, and then Sylvester did about 20. Same weight, but, you know, he's much, much younger. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we started the working sets, which was like, okay, game time. So I started, I did like 20, uh, 15, like real good hard reps. And then the last five were assisted with Nick helping me up. I was doing the negatives. He was lifting them up. Mm. I re-racked it. And then I'm like on the floor on my hands and knees. Then it was Nick's turn. Same thing. 15, 20. He's a bit stronger than me. Yeah. And I think I got like 10 extra reps out of him. Like really he's screaming like, fuck. Ah, like dying on this mm. uh, hack squat. And then Sylvester comes <laughs> and he does 10 and he's like racks it. And I'm like, no, 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 no. So then we made him really, really go to failure. But we didn't push him past, like, we weren't being mean to him. We yeah, did exactly you were trying to help at the same time, but yeah. With yeah, each other, yeah, yeah, yeah. Push him to his limits. Once he hit absolute failure, we racked it. He's on the floor. He's, like, shaking, but he's loving it. He's like, yes, this is great. Yeah. But then we did another set. Same thing, same intensity. He gets up, <laughs> runs to the toilet, and I filmed it. I've still got, I think <laughs> I think I could send you this if you want to use this. He's <laughs> just guy. puking in this toilet, right? And then I come in with a camera just as he's finished puking. And he's like, and he comes up. He's like, yeah. He's like, he's so happy that he's puked. It's the first time he's puked in the gym. So for him, it's like a big achievement. He's like, yes, yeah. I puked. So anyway, he at that moment thought he was finished the workout because he puked. I was like, Man, we've just started. <laughs> You've got another three pukes in so you. So yeah. anyway. Cut a long story short, we trained so fucking hard. We wow. did just normal, normal exercise like quad extensions on machine, like hamstring curls, things like. Like after the hack squats, we didn't do any more like heavy pressing. We didn't do any yeah. like normal squats or anything like ridiculous. Like it was just a normal workout, but extremely intense. Yeah, remind me never to train with you again. I <laughs> feel like you just love crippling kids at this <laughs> no, point. No, 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 but he asked for it. He genuinely, <laughs> yeah. like I said, he puked and he loved it. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. But anyway, we. Uh, <laughs> We finished the workout, and I mean, we are all fucked, all of us. I mean, mm-hmm. Nick's like sitting outside for fresh air because he felt sick. I felt sick. Like I usually would get a shake straight afterwards at the bar, and like, yeah, told yeah, the guy yeah. that I couldn't. I had to sit outside, like because I thought I was going to puke as well. And Sylvester's just sat in the corner with his hood up, just like being by himself. So I was like, okay, I'll go and check on him. So even at this point, I'm like, oh, I was like, mate, are you good? He's like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. I'm like, okay, just checking on you, mate. I'm going to go outside because I'm. So anyway, yeah. I'll tell you one day. And then my girl's ready. She's like, okay, can we go? But yeah. So I go back in to see Sylvester to say, oh, we're going. I hope, you know, just just relax. Put your feet up. Take it easy at night. Get your meals in. Recover. He's not there. So I'm like, okay. I, I text him saying, hey, mate, I've got to go. I'll see you tomorrow. Yeah. I get a call from the owner of the gym. He's like, Zach, 
what has happened? And I was like, what? What do you mean what's happened? He goes, there's an ambulance here. I'm like, what? Fucking had a hell. panic attack because his legs were so bad. And he Jesus. said he said he felt so sick and dizzy. He had a panic attack and called an ambulance. <laughs> the ambulance people came. They're like, they literally just said, like, because I had it on speaker because Rob, the owner, was like, he didn't know what to do. He had the people on ambulance. And they're like, oh, hi, we're just here with Sylvester. We've told him there's nothing to worry about. He's just exhausted. So anyway, it was like kind of a false alarm call. Fuck you know. Um, they gave him some, uh, oh, what are those sweets called? The like uh, sugary sweets. Uh, anyway, gave him like these little sugary tablets. Yeah, yeah. He instantly perked up and he was like shaking the hands and stuff, saying that he had the best workout of his life. <laughs> I like the sound and of this he, guy. He yeah. called me like ten minutes later. He's like, "Hey, uh, the ambulance came for me and I feel great." I'm like, "Fucking hell!" <laughs> I wonder if his attitude's still the same yeah, now. Yeah, he's, he's a great guy. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's, he's a very enthusiastic young young kid. Um, nice man. But yeah, we, we don't really speak much now because I'm in a different country. But uh, he's probably fucking he terrified was, of he you. He was yeah. so proud of that uh, that workout. So yeah. Me and Nick went the next day to train chess, and he came walking in with a big smile on his face, and he's like, "I told you I could do it." I was like, "Mate, fair play." And me and Nick were like, "Yeah, you fucking killed it, man!" Like, nice. <laughs> literally. Uh, and you respect that day, oh, yeah, mate, massively. 100%. But like I said, that wasn't. There's a difference between me killing that kid here who was really cocky and arrogant and saying I can do everything versus this guy genuinely wanting to experience like hardcore work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, that's just my favorite story because yeah, like he puked, he loved it and then he, an ambulance ended up that's coming. A good one, man. A some people might call, some people might call him crazy, but uh, yeah, yeah, he's, he's, <laughs> yeah he's fucking nuts, but yeah. in such a nice way. But nice. yeah, it's just my favorite. That's probably my favorite gym story. You know, man, just sweet man. Yeah, I mean, nice. Who calls an ambulance and loves it? Like, I mean, if I was there, I wouldn't. I would have stopped it from happening. I would yeah, like reassure yeah, 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 him. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, the, he was just exhausted. Like, it's, he was very dizzy, and you know, it's, it's normal. Like, I'd be like, I'm sometimes going to pass out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Happens. But for in, a 19 year old who's never had that before, I can imagine it can be quite scary. So. Yeah, definitely. Like I said, I'd already left at that point. So. Yeah, man. Well, one thing I'm, I, I really wanted to touch on as well um, is your friendship with Wim Hof oh, yeah. as well. So obviously, you guys became quite good friends but i've read something that you guys actually broke a world record oh yeah as well uh, can, you can, yeah, can you talk about that because i've seen the clip as well i was yeah. like can you talk about that yeah that, that was the favorite my favorite moment ever and i've had some fucking amazing moments in my life but this one just it meant so much to me so can you remember before how i said i had idols that were from moonscape mm -hmm. my biggest idol ever growing up was a guy called yogo son who right. used to compete in the high scores to be rank one mm -hmm. um, from like 2005. Um, anyway, the reason he was my idol was because he used to make YouTube videos of his progress on RuneScape. And he used to use trance and hardstyle in his videos. Right. So back when I was like 10 years old, uh, 11 years old, the only like music I'd ever heard of was what was played on the radio or was on CDs from my parents. Mm -hmm. So like I used to like Moby, um, Fatboy Slim, Something that had a bit of a beat to it, but I yeah. never heard of anything else other than like what was played at school or, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, on the radio. So it was always like the Spice Girls and shit. Until one day, this guy on YouTube, uh, Yoga Son, in his videos was playing hardstyle and trance. And I was like, what is this? Mm. What is this music? It's unbelievable. And I used to full volume speak, like literally having like proper rave to myself in my bedroom. And I would wait every single week for this guy to release a new video because mm -hmm. every video was trance and hardstyle. So my love for hardstyle and trance began in like 2005 because of this guy. From right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I used to listen to Headhunters, uh, Airbase. Like those two guys were my all-time favorites ever. Mm -hmm. I can honestly say I've got both of their WhatsApps now and we're good friends. Nice. Like, <laughs> I've, I've been, uh, 
Yeah, I've had some, I've got some unbelievable stories yeah. with these two guys. I idolized my whole life, and it's all because of RuneScape. It's amazing. But so, yeah. guys, if you want to be successful, play RuneScape. It's it's the key. Yeah. But no, so um, anyway, it's a very long story, but that was where my passion for music came from. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to be a DJ. I became a DJ at 15, like a week before my 16th birthday. I was playing in Morpeth, in some clubs in Morpeth, on mm-hmm. a Thursday night for £40 a night, um, using a fake ID. Um, by the time I was 18, I was working abroad. But then I took many years off that because of the, the alcohol and stuff that came with it. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, I just... I moved to the Netherlands. Um, it was Headhunters himself who invited me to go to one of his gigs, mm-hmm. which was the first time uh, in like years and years and years uh, I'd been at any sort of rave. Um, went with him, you know, met my idol. And it's really funny because I've met so many famous people like Arnold and you know, the list goes on and on and on. How was it for Arnold to compliment your biceps, by the way? That was cool. It was cool, yeah. <laughs> that was the most humble but, way to say that yeah, I've ever heard. I wasn't you. like, I'm not going to lie, I wasn't like, oh my God. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. When I, when, I met Headhunters and went to his house and I was sat in his house and he made me coffee and we were going to have breakfast. I was mm-hmm. sat there like, what do I say? What do I do? Because like, <laughs> to him it was just like a normal interaction with yeah. you know, someone like-minded who was into fitness and music. But he didn't know at the time. He was literally like this guy I listened to every single day in school mm-hmm. and at home. Like, religiously, his songs on loop for hours and hours and hours for like 10 plus years. And all of a sudden I'm with him in his house. I, I was just, I fangirled massively until I just said, mate, I'm like, I'm not going to lie, I'm fangirling a bit here. Like, I don't know what to say. And he just started laughing. But yeah, so it was because of him. I actually went to the Netherlands the first time and discovered what that lifestyle was like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking amazing! Everyone's partying all the time, but in such a nice, happy way. There's no fights. There's no drama. Yeah. There's no nothing. It's my scene, my type of music. I loved it. Ended up moving out there, and then, uh, yeah, I met Wim Hof. Um, the original, the origin of meeting him was because of my ex. Um, was diagnosed with cancer. Yeah, you were researching the methods how to. F- I wanted to yeah. help her with it, and his method came up for um, increasing white blood cells, which is what she actually needed as well. Mm-hmm. So. I reached out to him on Instagram. It was his son who replied saying, hey, we'd love to help. Give my dad a call. I called Wim. We went to his house. We met him. And he was instantly fascinated by me. As well as his primary goal was to help uh, Melody. He was like, man, I want to look like you. Like He's really, <laughs> like, he's this very eccentric, excited guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you know how most people are on camera? Mm-hmm. Like very enthusiastic. And, and as soon as they're off camera, they're very reserved. Yeah. Wim's like the opposite. He's like very professional and like happy going on camera. As soon as he's off, he's like, yeah, everything's great. <laughs> you know, yeah. he's the happiest, most just amazing person <laughs> that I've ever met. I just yeah. love him. I truly love him. Um, so yeah, he was like, hey, um, so after the whole Melody thing and we discussed the plan on how to, you know, help her, he was like, you got to come back here. We, we've got to train, man. We've got to train. And so I, I went around, met him and I'm like, okay, he wants to look like me. He wants to do what I do. He had weights in his house, like homemade weights. Mm-hmm. Um, he had like this big extension cable over a tree where you could do like back pull downs and triceps. That's cool. Brilliant. All made out of rocks and sticks. That's pretty cool. Epic. He used to call them the Flynn stones because of a big stone. He's, he's the pun master. If you ever meet him, he'll 100 <laughs> puns a minute. Anyway, we uh, I get to his house and it's the middle of like December or something, January. It's freezing, it's snowing and everything. And, uh, mm-hmm. He has this like homemade waterfall in his garden that was frozen over so it was freezing yeah and i'd never done any sort of like ice stuff yeah before. yeah i tried the showers but even the showers would take my breath away yeah and he stood there in the shorts next to the pool he's like, hey let's go and i'm like okay what we're doing 
He's like, come on, let's go. And he just he just doesn't tell me what we're doing. I'm still fully dressed. <laughs> just got out of the car. And he walks into his pool. I'm like, I'm going to die. Ooh. I'm going to die. If I do this, like, I'm, I'm going to die. Yeah. And I was with another guy called Storm, who's a friend of mine from over there. Epic name, Storm. But yeah. he had done this uh, training for a long time. He was very used to cold exposure. So he follows women. And I'm like, in my head, I'm, I'm, I can't do this. Yeah. There's just no way. <laughs> so I'm like, right, fuck it. It's Wim Hof. <laughs> yeah, you've got to do what to he do says. This. <laughs> this is an opportunity millions of people would kill for. I've got to do it. So I get in, I get up to my my waist. And at this point, like the pain in my legs is just excruciating. And I'm like, I can't do it. I'm going to, I just can't do it. So yeah. anyway, I'm like, well, fuck it, one, two, three. I get under, takes my breath away. He can see that I'm physically in pain. But I'm thinking, if he can see I'm pushing through this, I'll gain his respect. Yeah. So anyway, he's like, right, we're going to do 300 strokes at this pool. But I misheard because he meant strokes like one, two. I thought yeah. lengths. I'm like, I'm dead. This is it. <laughs> this is it. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. either be a pussy and get out early or I'm going <laughs> to die. So I was like, right, no matter what, I'm going to do this. But then he's counting like one, two. I'm like, oh, okay, it's going to be God, quicker yeah. than I think. So anyway, he's going really slow. Like one, two. And I'm behind him with one, two, three, four. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying yeah. to get it over with. But anyway. Counting in twos. Cut a long story short, I did it and get out. Well, I tried to get out. I couldn't actually lift my legs up onto the steps. I was just numb, completely mm. frozen. But must have been in there for 10 minutes. I had this big line across like my neck from where the water was. Like my whole body was super red. Mm-hmm. Getting the sauna and I had this massive panic attack. It was the strangest feeling I'd ever experienced in my life. Going mm-hmm. in from like one degree water into a hundred degree sauna you could feel the cold blood circulating internally as your yeah. surface temperature Jeez. was yeah, hot. Yeah, yeah. I could feel the blood circulating in my heart. Honestly, I was tripping. I was like, what is going on? This is horrible. Mm. I'm not going to die. And then I started to have this panic attack. And he just put his hand on me. He looked me in the eyes like, in two minutes, you'll be absolutely normal. Better than ever. Just breathe with me. So breathing, calm down. After two minutes, I was perfect. Felt amazing. Never, mm. never better in my life. And then from that moment, he just told me, say, I have so much respect for you. I saw how difficult that was. And you persevered. You pushed through. Yeah, yeah. You're a man. You're a monster. I love you. <laughs> and he starts punching the wall in the soil. He's like, yeah, we, we're we going to train every day. And then I was like, okay, for a bit like, you know, I just couldn't process Overwhelmed this. Overwhelmed by you know? it, yeah. I, I just imagine. met Wim Hof, an idol of mine. And then all of a sudden, he's like asking me to be his training partner. Nice. I saw you doing, yeah. he sat on your back where you did push-ups and shit. Yeah, so that's, that's fucking so, cool. We, we became really good friends. I was going to his house like almost every single day. Yeah. And of course he was always filming. He had celebrities there all the time, doing podcasts and all sorts. And I just, you know, kept away. Mm-hmm. And, you know, his son, uh, Anum, he's, uh, he runs like the whole business side of things and all the podcasts and makes sure his yeah, dad's, yeah, yeah. you know, doing everything correctly and stuff and uh, massive respect for him. And he always respected me too because he just saw that, you know, I was never trying to be there for... Uh, any particular reason I wasn't trying to get anything out of his dad yeah, yeah, yeah I was literally just there to have a nice time with him to train and just to be friends and we you won't we weren't walking around filming his house and stuff exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah yeah so anyway Wim always sings and he always hums and he does like this throat singer stuff like she in the sauna and mm, stuff yeah, really yeah. cool I'm like man like your voice is epic you've got to do something with this he's like yeah I want to I want to do it <laughs> I want to be on it. I want to. I want to sing for the whole world. And I'm like, well, why? Why don't we? So I just yeah. thought. I was like, you know what it is? I've got so many friends that are big time hardstyle producers uh-huh. that play in front of like fifty, 
80,000 people in the biggest shows in the Netherlands and Tomorrowland and stuff. Like, why don't I just like ask one of them if they want to work with Wim Hof? And one of my closest friends in the world, Vita, I love him. His name's a DJ named Psychopunks. He's massively into this sort of stuff anyway, like breathing and mm-hmm. yoga and meditation and being very spiritual, open-minded. Like, yeah. He's all cool. about it. So I, I called him. I was like, hey, uh, Wim Hof wants to make a song. Are you down? He's like, fuck yeah, I'm down. Because like, <laughs> yeah, so, we, we'd made one before in lockdown. So then I was like, right, why don't we go to his house together? We'll talk to him, come up with a plan. Yeah. And I already had this idea in my mind of what I wanted to do. So I was like kind of like the, the director of this thing. Um, you know, Wim's the voice um, and Vita is the producer. Like mm-hmm. Without Vita, we couldn't have done any of this. He put so much time into this, it was unbelievable. So we're in the sauna and we're talking about ideas. I'm like, you know what it is, guys? Like, the world needs to change. The world needs to breathe. The world needs to like relax a bit and like calm down and like just be within you know yeah. should we make a song that's has a, a part of the song where the breathing's in it so you can like mm. just just chill before this big drop and the idea of the song the alchemist uh came alive um so it's like the alchemist is like you're the alchemist of your own body you can alkalize your body and all this um, so we made this song and it was just epic you know we we, we had like maybe 10 different versions of it mm-hmm. but the, the final version which we played at defcon um is this hard style song with a hard beat very yeah. uplifting it's very nice but it has Wim's breathing method in it and the the idea was to set a world record for the most people simultaneously consciously breathing at the same time because mm. obviously if you've got 80,000 people they all they're going to be breathing yeah 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 this was like a um, synchronized breathing mm-hmm. 80,000 people were doing this breathing method it was fucking epic you know and um, so the, you were jumping on stage and stuff filming yeah. I saw that I was like so, that's well, amazing me and Vita were on this balcony above the crowd mm-hmm. at the back where we could see the stage in front of us. So you got the stage with Wim on it because Wim's doing it for the music video, the dancing and the breathing and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you have 80,000 people. And then you have this big balcony at the back where we were. So we could see the crowd and then the stage and all the light and uh, I just I was crying my eyes out and it was so amazing, you know, months of work to see it come to life. But not only that, you know, my dream as a kid was to go to DEF CON. Yeah. My dream was to go to this this like epic party. Tomorrowland and Defcon were the two ones I wanted to go to. And, you know, for being my second Defcon ever, you know, my first one I went with Headhunters and I got backstage access and it was like living mm-hmm. the dream. I couldn't believe it. I'm there. Not only there, the this dream festival, I'm there with like my idol. It was just amazing. Yeah. Man. But the second one, not only was I back at my dream festival, my song was played at the end show. Yeah. Which is the biggest part of the whole thing. It was just so overwhelming. And, you know, I'm stood there with like my best friend and then I can see Wim on the stage and all it just it was just so unbelievably just amazing. But yeah, that that's how that happened. But Wim is hand on my heart, the nicest person you could ever meet. Yeah, he, he seems really cool. Nothing affects him. Money doesn't affect him, fame doesn't affect him. You know, he is who he is. He's the most humble, beautiful soul mm-hmm. in the world in existence. And if any of you guys have the chance to meet him or do his courses, do it. Yeah. Like, honestly, do it. They're the best things in the world. Mm. I've done so many with him. Um, Just from being there at the house, he's always asked me to just join in and stuff. Like, the environment and the atmosphere that you have, being with, like, 50 like-minded people, it's just life-changing. It actually is life-changing. You know, when when I met him and I was at his place, he has this, like, homemade cliff in his garden. Yeah. Um, a little waterfall on it and stuff, and you can jump into the pool. Um, 
the first time I was up there, I was so scared. And like, <laughs> this is a guy who, as a teenager, would jump off anything, would climb anything. I was, I used to do parkour and free running. Like, mm. I was scared of nothing. But as time and age, you know, played a part in my life, I found that I become weaker and more critical. Like, I critically you think things through a lot more. Yeah, yeah. So I was stood on the top of this cliff, like thinking, "Oh, what if I hit the bottom? What if I?" The, the cold affects me so much, I'll have a heart attack. What have all these different things? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he just stared at me and screamed and went, Stop fucking thinking, let it go. And I just like jumped off. And from that one moment since then, which was like two or three, I don't know, Jesus, four years ago now, mm. I've never thought the same again since that one moment. I found that like things in life that might be a challenge. This part, this thinking part of my brain now is different than how it used to be. Mm. I don't overthink anything anymore. Things so much, life's so much more simple. If I come into a, an awkward situation with somebody at work, say your boss, the way I think about it now is so much different than how it would have been. Back yeah, then. and it's because of him. It really is. Uh, he's he's a genius. I yeah, love I've seen a lot of his content, and I, I'm always like, there's just something captivating about the guy. Like, yeah. like obviously, I think you've said it best, but it's just his his energy, his vibe, right. just the way you. You want to be friends with him. That's the best part about it is, and I love people like that, man. It's, he is it's, a kid. He is a yeah, that's <laughs> just what he sounds like, yeah. Who can speak seven languages and he's just, yeah. uh, he's just unbelievable, honestly. But um, he, th- I think the best way to describe him is like literally a living, breathing, like shaman, guru, god. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, put, I'm really putting him up there, but he is. Yeah. He's just an incredible human being who will be remembered forever. Yeah, oh yeah, 100%. And I'm so honored and privileged say that I'm a friend of his and yeah. spend time with him and yeah, learn from him and make nice, that man. epic track with him. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah. Well, to, to sort of round this up, if if you had to sort of look back, I mean, obviously you've, you've shaken hands with Jay Cutler, Arnold Schwarzenegger, yeah. you've met so many big people. You know, you've got books on Amazon and, and whatnot. Like, I read through a few of them guides as well. I was like, mm, fair play, yeah. But uh, you've definitely become a successful man. But I'd, what I want to know is when you look back, if you had to narrow it down to, like, the one thing that was like the best part of your journey that f- frequently comes into your mind the most. What do you think of when you think of your journey? Like, how does it, how how do you encapsulate that in your mind? Just who I've become, like as a whole. Like, I'm just happy, man. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm happy now. Like, throughout all the dark times and all the things that have been a big like factor in my life, like um, the bullying and then the depression and the mental health issues and the severe anxiety, the severe panic attacks, like the all the shit that's happened. Like, I'm just so happy that I've came out on top of it. Yeah. Um, that I've had a platform to uh, speak about it to and educate people about it. The, when I look back, like, if I look back at everything I've done, I don't think of, like, the great people I've met, like, all these celebrities and all these famous people and all these amazing things I've done, like, first-class flights and fancy hotels and mm. shit. I think of the people I've met. Like, the first thing I thought of there was this kid in India who I met who walked uh, three days to come and meet me. Wow. He met me, he broke into tears crying and cuddling me because my transformation video changed his life. And Fucking I hell. think of times like that. I think of all the people I've met at expos and in the gym and on the street who have come up to me like, hey, I love what you do. Mm. And I give them a cuddle. I'm like, mate, keep keep it up, train hard. Like, and just just the people. Yeah. I think like, you know, just life's too fucking short, man. And materialistic things are great, but they do nothing for you. Like if you can if you can drive a Lamborghini or if you can drive a fucking Polo to work, you're still going to get to work, you know? Mm. But I've always found that if you can change one person's life, man, one person's life, it's just the the most rewarding, ultimately amazing thing you can do. 
Yeah. And like I said, going back to, you know, I want you to do this today from this studio. As soon as you leave and go out, I want, please do it. Just compliment five random people. Well, random people. Yeah. It could be some, something so small. I love your shoes, man. That's it. That's one. The difference it makes in your day and their day is yeah. huge. You know, like I said, that woman in Morrison's, it's just to put a hand on here and she said, you've just made my whole week. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if you sit and think about it, it's like her whole week, this is the highlight of it. And it took me 30 seconds. Yeah. So yeah, just looking back at everything I've done, like all I can think of, think to say is my 10 year old self is so unbelievably proud of mm. who I've become. Because like I said, I can still remember and feel that, that, day when I looked in the mirror saying this is your chance to become somebody well I have become somebody I have I've done yeah. it myself I've worked so fucking hard yeah man and you know I feel like now is my time to encourage others to do the same thing mm. because we all we all can change we all can become happy it's not about being better or richer or more successful in whatever yeah I think ultimately if you can just be happier in life that's all that matters um because I've, I've had fame, I've had money, and both of them led me to misery. And then on the flip side, I've had nothing and also been unbelievably happy. Hmm. But if you can have both, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, but yeah, I think just, uh, yeah, I think just the, the support in the, on this journey I've had throughout the past 10 years has just been tremendous. I've met some unbelievable people. Yeah. Um, I've learned so much. I've done some amazing things. I've met so many just wonderful, wonderful people. And I'm so grateful for that. Um, but yeah, on the on the flip side, like I said, I've met all my idols, you know, like mm-hmm. music idols, bodybuilding idols. I've trained with them. I've lived with them. I lived with Buendia, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I've been a. Uh, yeah, you said I shook hands with Jay Cutler. I didn't mention I've got his WhatsApp, and he texted me when I was in Vegas saying, "Hey, why don't you come to my house and you can stay as long as you want?" Yeah, just having having you know people like that I used to look up to invite me to the house, just makes you think, man, like that. How amazing is that feeling? Yeah. So. It I must be indescribable as well sometimes. To, to yeah. most people, it's unrelatable, but it's like, it's possible for people, man. I mean, of course. I mean, look at me. Look at me when I was a kid, as a yeah. teenager. Like, if I can do it, why can't you? The only difference is I actually pulled my fucking finger out and stopped watching football games 10 fucking times a week yeah. and going to the pint because it was, I'd made small sacrifices, small sacrifices that had a huge impact. Yeah. So, like, I still go out and socialize. I still go and play cards with my dad's friends. And when they're drinking pints, I'll just have water. Mm-hmm. And they don't say anything. It makes no difference. I'm still having a good time. But that small sacrifice of not having a pint makes my physical appearance, you know, I'm not going to have a pot yeah. belly. You know what I mean? So just little small changes can make huge differences. Yeah. And like 100%. I said, every single person has time in their day. We yeah. do. Because, like I said, going back to this client who said, oh, I didn't have time to eat. What did you do all evening? He sat and watched TV. Mm-hmm. Watched yeah, yeah. We all have time. We'll make time for yeah. what we think is a priority. We'll always find time for the things that matter the most. So it's, if you change your priorities and think, well, A, your accountability will help yeah. as a coach, but if you just change that priority set in your mind, like if my priority is to get this edited, like you said earlier, it's going to get edited. If my priority is to play video games, I'm going to play video games. Do you know what I mean? It's the priorities that we set. We'll always find time, money, energy for what we care about most. 100%. I think I'm targeting this more to people who genuinely want this because I yeah. noticed like when I was younger, I was so hungry to make this happen, I would mm-hmm. do anything to make it happen. And I was. I would still play video games and stuff like on downtime and stuff, but in the you know, say if I had six hours to chill, you know, three of those hours was like looking for opportunities and the other mm-hmm. three hours was to 
relax and do what I want to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you can't go full on 100%. You'll burn out. Yeah, yeah. But for if there's anybody watching this now who genuinely wants to achieve something, whether it's like being a fitness model, a bodybuilder, a businessman, or whatever it is, an acting career, anything, create a podcast. What are you doing to make it happen? Are yeah. you doing anything or are you just hoping it'll happen? That's the difference. Mm -hmm. So get the fuck up. As soon as this is over, get up and do something now. And that's the first step. And then as soon as that first step happens, you might get an email from somebody. And then from there, and then from there, and then from there, it snowballs. So yep. It's always the first step. Now you've been told, guys, you've either got to go and make your dreams happen or you've got to do leg day with Zach. It's one of, it's one or the other. <laughs> but listen, where can people go to find you? Where can people follow your journey? And where can people go to find your coaching? Uh, so just my Instagram is like my main hub, Zach Ainsley, um, where I don't actually have a website for coaching. I do everything very personally. Mm -hmm. I don't like people to think that I have a team of people running my site and emails mm -hmm. and stuff, which 99% I would say do at the minute. Yeah. So I always just say DM me on Instagram. If uh, my DMs don't work for some reason, because sometimes they don't, comment on one of my like recent posts and, hey, I want to be coached by you. And then I will immediately reply. We'll talk about it. You get my WhatsApp. And then I'm the, I will support you through your whole journey, whether it's weight loss, uh, weight gain, muscle gain, uh, strengthening, strength and conditioning, like whatever your goals are, even if it's like just motivation, like if you don't need a diet yeah. and training, like fuck it, give me 20 pound a month. I'll just motivate you. I'll send you music. I'll, I'll shout at you. Yeah. Okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, like I said, sometimes you just need that fucking support from somebody. Uh, you know, I train by myself. God, I wish I had a good training partner sometimes. Like, I really mm, do. Yeah. And that's where a good coach comes to play. Um, so, yeah, if if I can help with anything um, with your personal needs, that's what I'm there for. It doesn't matter what it is. I've got 10 years' experience in this industry. And like yeah. I said, so much more out of it. Like, working with Wim Hof, I've done four years of yeah, breathing man. methods and ice training and cold water therapy and I know how to control your breathing and how to get into cold water and how to switch your mindset. And, you know, I've experienced fucking depression and anxiety attacks and panic attacks. I know, um, I mean, my girlfriend's a therapist, so I've got a lot of therapy. <laughs> oh God, right, yeah, yeah. So if you're somebody who's riddled with like mental health issues, I can help with that. I'm yeah. just a good support. Um, but it, it does, you know, primarily resolve, revolve around training in the gym, but yeah. it's not all about that. So. Yeah, man, nice. Yeah, I just want to help people, man. Just be happy, strong, and healthy. They're the three most important things in my life is encouraging people to have those three things. Yeah, that's man. all you need. Yeah. Well, every time I, every time I see your post, I'm always like quick to give it a like. Or it's just it's nice to see what you write on underneath your post as well. It's not just like you know work they smashed hustle harder. It's like <laughs> yeah. you give detailed explanations. You you're not you know shying away from the uncomfortable. You you talk about well, things that matter course, and yeah. yeah, exactly. So you can ask me anything, I'll answer it, man. Like, yeah, nothing to hide. But I really appreciate that, mate. Thank you because I think as well people chase numbers on social media like likes if, attention like, yeah oh, if i don't have ten thousand likes what the fuck i mean mm -hmm. at the end of the day if i have 10 likes and 10 people have been affected by my man it's 10 people man like you know what i mean mm -hmm. and i feel like because how instagram is now and everything's so visual like if you're at home and you make a post and a hundred people like it man it's a hundred people yeah you imagine a stadium uh, you imagine yeah. a big room full of 100 people that's a lot of people yeah. so but people only see the the digits on their screen yeah they only see the pixels they forget that each pixel is a human being. Yeah. So, man, I really Agreed. appreciate that comment. Thank you. Like, no, man. I forget that, you know, people really can be uh, affected by my post. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, I, versa, so. like you said, I was a skinny kid, you know, and every time I say 
a post from you or, or someone in, in your position who's not afraid to shy away from a yeah. post of progress it makes me want to push harder and, and yeah, do a bit more so yeah but thank you for coming on man. I really appreciate your time yeah, today as well and listen guys be sure to go and follow Zach on everything go check out his coaching if you are needing to lose weight if you're skinny like I was go to Zach he knows what he's talking about and he's he's not full of fluff and bullshit like a lot of other coaches yeah, so scamming man I fucking hate them yeah it's <laughs> ridiculous he's, yeah. he's not going to sell you a crypto course as well on top of it no as well <laughs> no once a week check-ins yeah no diet plan there you go go on with it like it's full support yeah he's gonna, he's gonna be behind you breaking you back every step of the way so oh, yeah. listen guys thank you very much for listening and as always please leave the five star review for us if you listen on Spotify Apple Music or if you're watching on YouTube give it a like give it a comment give it a share um, and also check out Zach's YouTube as well so thank you very much for listening guys I'll see you all in the next episode thank you mate five star review I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs>